Hello and welcome to Coppola Connections. So I'm shaking every branch of the Coppola family tree to answer the fateful question, are they the greatest film family of all time? Last week, we looked at David Shire's contribution to Saturday Night Fever. This week, we've got not one, but two Coppola family members with Jason Schwartzman and Roman Coppola and their work on Wes Anderson's 2012 film, Moonrise Kingdom. To help me shake this branch of the Coppola family tree, I'll be joined by Jeanette Bear of the always fantastic Sudden Double Deep podcast. Earlier this year, I had the absolute pleasure of being a guest on said podcast. And in lieu of any bonus Patreon material this week, head on over and listen to that episode where we discussed three Nicolas Cage films with man in the title. So that is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, The Wicker Man and Mandy. Get it? Once you're done with that episode, make sure you delve into the back catalogue that Sudden Double Deep have to offer. I can assure you, it's an amazing podcast. If you haven't seen this film, beware. Me and Jeanette leave no stone unturned when looking for answers in this film. We go into spoilerific detail. So be sure to check the show notes to find out if and where this film is streaming. So make sure you've packed up your portable record player, your favourite books, and you've run away with your favourite khaki scout as we make some Coppola connections. In 2012, whilst Jason Schwartzman's older brother, John, was the cinematographer on The Amazing Spider-Man, and his cousin, Nicolas Cage, released both Stolen and Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, Jason popped up in a film, co-written by his cousin, Roman Coppola. That film is the focus of today's episode. Both Jason and Roman's fourth time working with director, Wes Anderson, we're going to be talking about coming-of-age comedy, Moonrise Kingdom. To join me to take a trip to New Penzance, we join the search party to look for these runaway teens and hopefully find some couple of connections. Is one third of yours and my favourite triple bill linked by a word in the film title podcast, Sudden Double Deep, Jeanette Bear? <laughs> Firstly, what kind of bird are you? What kind of what? Bird are you? What kind of bird am I? That's that's a very specific question. Like 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 as a a woman, like a bird, like or no, as, it, as, it, as, it, as, it, as in the question that Sam uh, Sadowski first asked Susan Bishop when when he meets her is what kind, what of, kind of bird, bird are, you? are you? Um, yeah, because she's a raven, isn't she? And and like because the other girl's like I'm a sparrow, and she's a and he's like no you like yeah. right in the middle. Um, yeah, she's she's a. Uh, no, she's a rook. She's not a raven. She's a rook. Um, no, she's a raven. Oh, she's she is a raven. a raven. Oh, I got it she right. Gets, she gets downgraded to a blue jay because she has a fight with <laughs> like uh, the teacher, which is a brilliant like yes. on kind of fifth watch this time. <laughs> something I picked up on. Um, yeah. Uh, what well, kind how... of what kind of bird am I? I think I'm probably like oh, I'm probably one of those like um, maybe a starling. Like, yeah, something, yeah, something like a general common or garden, you know, British garden bird, I think. Amazing. Well, yeah, sorry <laughs> to spring that weird question on you. And more importantly, how are you doing? Jill? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm currently, so like this is being recorded, obviously, like in the podcast universe, when you're recording is never when it comes out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, currently it's the first week of the schools going back and I work in a school. So, like, it's. A bit manic, but apart from that, like I'm all good. I'm very well. How about yourself? 
yeah I, i'm amazing thank you i'm just kind Good. of uh squirreling away doing what i've got to do i'm pretty much living uh, a life like captain sharp quite like a kind of uh uh, nomadic uh somewhat lonely <laughs> existence but like yeah there's a little bit of sadness but mainly mainly i'm, I'm quite chipper i'm getting on uh Good. with my day Good. Uh, yeah thank you first and most for joining me for the first double coppola connection film so obviously yeah. we don't just have jason schwartzman in this it's co-written by his cousin roman um when did you first become aware of the coppola family as a thing so, uh, I think I kind of, well, the, the, the one that everybody always talks about. So when you're just getting into films and like, I, you know, I've always loved films ever since I was a kid, but I never kind of, um, you know, I, I wasn't, um, really, I wouldn't have called myself a film enthusiast until I kind of hit my twenties. Uh, and then I really started to hit my stride and I really got interested in films and kind of reading film magazines and kind of talking to people about movies and um, I think obviously the one that everybody talks about first is The Godfather, you know, so everybody kind of talks about how amazing The Godfather is. It's such a mm -hmm. classic Godfather. Godfather blah, blah, blah. It's one of the biggest films ever made. Blah, 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 blah. And um, and I I didn't get around to seeing that until I was around 23 or 24. And I, I kind of sat down with my boyfriend at the time and I was just like I was expecting to be blown away. <laughs> I was expecting my head to be blown clean off my shoulders and I was so bored. I was so bored. And and like, I just, I am, I'm probably the only person in the world who doesn't like The Godfather. Um, but yeah, I, 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 it's just, I don't, it's not, I don't like it, man. <laughs> like it's well, I've got a bigger confession because it, I'm man. 29 years old. Correction, I am actually 30 years old. I've never seen. <gasps> I've never seen any. Amazing. Like, uh, properly, <laughs> I think I've like I've, I've I've seen the first one maybe like when I was way too young. So like, right. you know I mean? like yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have appreciated it anyway. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's a lot of like dark room and men talking. Oh yeah, like, tons of that man. Like a whole I, ton of guys talking in rooms and yeah, just being very serious in suits. Mm -hmm. That's that's yeah. kind of it. For a lot of the movie um and yeah i just i was really expecting it to be intense and dramatic <laughs> and like and really kind of you know gut punch me and i just yeah i think i think you have to be of a certain mindset when you watch these films um and and then i was just like you know oh maybe i wasn't in the right frame of mind maybe i was uh maybe i wasn't in the right place maybe i wasn't appreciative of it enough you know maybe i need mm -hmm. to reappraise it um so when i met um Daryl, the man who is my my <laughs> husband and co-host on my podcast, um, I kind of said, you know, I don't really care for The Godfather. And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, maybe I need to rewatch it. And he was like, yeah, okay. He was like, well, let's sit down and rewatch it. And we sat there for all eight weeks of The Godfather because it is a, an incredibly long film. <laughs> and um, and I just turned around to him at the end and I was like, nah. No, <laughs> like, nah, not for me. Not for me. Um, so I think... You know, after obviously you see you see The Godfather for the first time, and and kind of you know people start talking to you about who mm -hmm. Coppola is, um, then you get yeah you kind of you, it it's fascinating how this family tree kind of unfurls, and you kind of you you know when you sort of look at the family tree and and how much they've accomplished. I mean, they are Hollywood royalty. They've got this yeah. huge dynasty of filmmakers and actors and 
uh, and things like that. So yeah, it. I think he was. I think yeah, I was definitely aware of him, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't really understand him as an as a as a director, as a filmmaker, until when, I was in. When my... did you first? Uh, sorry, when did you first like become aware of like that they were a like a a oh. film family? Like, oh, okay. As well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, no. Like... I think um, probably when uh probably like when lost in translation came out because mm-hmm. yeah it was um because people talked about sophia being in the godfather 3 mm-hmm. um you know and how much everybody hates it you know which again is like totally subjective um and how bad she is in it which i have i have heard many people say actually no it's it's not her it's the film um <laughs> <laughs> and she was kind of drafted in at the last minute because it was like a you know um, anyway, so but yeah, when Lost in Translation came out, and and you know it's Sophia Coppola, and obviously that's a very distinctive name. So you're kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, of the Coppolas, and people go, yes. Um, and yeah, I, you know, obviously that's a lovely film, and you kind of, yeah, you, um, you just start digging, I think, and kind of, I was mm-hmm. an avid reader of uh, Empire magazine, so like, you know, you, yeah, you, the, all these articles and things, and you just, yeah, you just start picking up bits and pieces and kind of knitting together this this family tree um this dynasty of of the coppolas 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 tomato tomato i i think it is coppola like from but i, I keep saying coppola just because it, eh, it's you know unless one yeah. of them's going to come on here and tell you different <laughs> i don't think it matters um you know and do please do if you're listening then you should um but yeah you kind of you know i i because, yeah, I thought, oh, maybe he's just got the one daughter. Uh, you know, maybe it's just the one Coppola. And then you find out that Nicolas Cage is a Coppola. You find out that Talia Shire is a Coppola. You find out that, you know, all of these people, like, yeah, Schwartzman's a Coppola. Um, and you're just kind of like, you sneaky motherfuckers. You're all fucking yeah. Coppolas. Like, why don't you just come out and say you're fucking Coppolas? Because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's obviously, I think it's a, a lot to do with, you know, they don't want it to be seen as nepotism. They want to stand on their own two feet and be artists in their own right. Um, which I understand. I think that's fine. Um, yeah. But yeah, they are they, all sneaky motherfuckers, man. Ninja well, they Coppolas. Always, they always say that. They, you, you always get that impression that they change their name for like they don't want to be accused of nepotism. Yet they all like do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, so, like, They'll always put their hands up and be like, yeah, I'm one. Like they're all just quite happy to admit it. Like just like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm, I'm part of the family. Yeah, Talia Shire like will be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take the role of Connie Corleone in The Godfather. Why or not? Yeah, Nicolas Cage will like <laughs> his second film ever. It's like, please, please, Uncle, like, can, I, <laughs> can I be in Rumblefish? And, and like, yeah, and there's all these kind of like links and kind of looking at them, kind of see that like, um, yeah, Roman Coppola and Francis Ford Coppola are like producers on a lot of Sophia's films and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're all kind of like feeding into the same thing. And I, I find like this, especially the relationship between Roman and Jason, mm-hmm. like very interesting because uh, those two, along with the director, Peter Weitz, created the show and Alex Timbers. Uh, yeah, created the show Mozart in the Jungle. Which is I've like, heard of that. I haven't seen any of it myself. A, a, yeah, a, a, fa- a fantastic show. But then it's like this thing of like, I don't know, it like... So you've got those guys and then they kind of like, I don't know, Roman has this weird connection with Spike Jones as well. And then there's like, 
wasn't Sophia married to Spike Jones? Married, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for like three, like four years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all that kind of weird thing. And then there's, yeah, probably one of, I don't know, the the relationships I kind of like that both Roman and Jason are kind of like together involved in Mm -hmm. is this uh, kind of Wes Anderson extended universe family that he's going on. It's kind of like magpieing all these creatives and actors and kind of, yeah, like uh, collaborating partners that he's developed. So which, like, I know on Southern Double Deep at the time you had only seen Moonrise Kingdom, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs, Mm -hmm. and Grand Budapest Hotel. Have you seen any more Wes Anderson films since then? Um, I have. I've seen um, Jason Schwartzman's first film, where he was... um, Rushmore. Yes, Rushmore. So I've seen Rushmore now. Um, But yeah, it's, it's kind of the the thing about sudden double deep which is you know it, it's uh we we're a podcast with um episodes twice a week and you know mm-hmm. and, and a patreon and stuff it's not actually you don't get much time to watch films just for fun <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the time you're mostly watching films for the podcast so like you've got this huge list of of must watch films and kind of stuff that you want to delve into a bit more um but yeah until i take like a, a year off from podcasting <laughs> like a sabbatical uh yeah unfortunately i i don't get a chance to watch a lot of stuff that i really want to watch um but yeah i did enjoy it it was really really good um so yeah it, it's kind of um wes anderson is just i i prefer like his more whimsical stuff i think mm-hmm. um i think that one is kind of um and as well like i always have a bit of a problem with um relationships where one of them is much much younger like I just they they just kind of make me a little uncomfortable and it's mm-hmm. kind of just like yeah this is funny but at the same time like he's supposed to be playing a child and that's like a woman in her like do you know what I mean it's just like yeah, yeah it's, he's like well, a, yeah, yeah. he's it's a, a teenager boy yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and it's just you know I I appreciate it is very funny and he's great in it um but yeah it's just like ah oh, stop making this like stop making this story <laughs> it's just it's not cool man um so yeah, I definitely it, and I think because that was his first film, obviously, like he really hadn't hit his stride, like mm-hmm. um, it, with his artistic style, like how he likes to present his movies. Because obviously now, if you say Wes Anderson, everybody thinks of the color palettes and the yeah. the sense of humor and the kind of you know the the kind of the one liners, um, and yeah, very much about the imagery of it, um, a lot more than they do instantly the, you know, the drama. I think that's yes. yeah. People people think much more of the image of it first, and then the the drama of it second. So, what would have been like the uh, yeah? What would have been the first Jason Schwartzman film you would have seen? Like, oh, ever? that's Do a good one. Or? That's a good one. <laughs> I, you know what? He's one of those actors that you're always very aware of. I mean, his filmography is massive. He's made a lot of films. I think he's got like of the Coppola's like even including Nicolas Cage, has probably got, like, the most screen time. Yeah. Even though he hasn't been, like... Because it's not just the fact that, like, he's, like, just in loads of films Mm. and stuff like that. It's, like, he still manages to squeeze in, like, (laughs) being, like, a regular on, like, a TV show. So, like... Yeah, yeah. He created Mozart in the Jungle, but then, like, pops up, like... (laughs) He's kind of got, like... He's, like, a side character in it. And then, 
obviously did three seasons of Bored to Death, and it's like, yeah, he's definitely racked up the most screen. He time works out of all very of them. hard. Like he's <laughs> he's always doing something. Um, yeah, I mean, we just uh, watched Fargo, the the new uh-huh. series of Fargo, where he was amazing. Um, and yeah, he's he's one of those characters where like I definitely don't buy him as a mob boss. He's just not. Bless, bless him he's just not he's not built for that like he's just he was really good in it but i like the way he's kind of weaselly and he's like he's, mm-hmm. he's you know not your typical mod boss type um i think yeah he's always kind of been in the in the background um periphery yeah and i've kind of never really kind of i don't know when i first saw him but i definitely think that one of the first times i would have seen him and gone oh that's interesting um was uh scott pilgrim Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, he is the 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 evil ex, isn't he? He's he's the biggest evil ex of them all. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, I think I think he was really, really good in that because he is really funny. Like he's he's a very funny man. He's got perfect comic timing. Um Well, we'll get into like how good his comic timing <laughs> and kind of how scene stealing he can Absolutely. be. I, I I think Scott Pilgrim as well, like he definitely does leave a mark on that film. Yeah. Kind of like, because around that time, like, yeah, it would have been like 2009, 2010, kind of would have been that thing of like, he hadn't been in much, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he kind of had that weird thing, he did Rushmore, and then and then went like, went and like, yeah, drummed in Phantom Planet for ages, <laughs> and then kind of didn't really do anything for a while, and kind of like, never really had any, like, aspirations to be an actor. I, I mean... think it's that thing of like... I don't know you imagine like a couple of family like dinner and they'll be like Jason when are you getting when when, when are you gonna be on the screen and he's like I just want to play drums yeah I I mean you know if you are a Coppola like you can I think you've earned the right to take some time out do you know what I mean like I think uh, you know and I don't think you're in any rush to actually make any serious decisions about what you're going to do with the rest of your life you're a Coppola I think you can chill the fuck out and take some time on that decision like take take a gap year fuck it take five gap years <laughs> just you know because because yeah i think you know it's i think it's it's kind of <laughs> it's very traditionally italian isn't it to to take care of your family and to kind of make sure that they're always working make sure they're taken care of and make sure they're all okay i think it's more of that kind of thing of just like oh so oh you're you're so my nephew, like my nephew, oh, okay. So he needs a thing to do. Okay. I'm just going to stick him in this. Like, we'll just, we'll see how he gets on. If he does good in that, we'll stick him in something else. And I think it's just, it kind of obviously just went from there, you know? Yeah. I don't think any, any of it's out, out of like, kind of like malice and stuff. Cause like. No, it, I don't just, think it's bad natured at all. Yeah. Just, it's just fascinating. Cause obviously like it, when you dig deeper, into the kind of Coppola family and that kind of like look into Zoe a trope like the studio that Francis mm-hmm. Coppola set up kind of like wanted like just this band of misfits outside of Hollywood doing his own thing and like it is all about family so like on on the set of like Apocalypse Now like mm-hmm. he took his kids with him I mean it's like <laughs> that was like so like yeah and Sophia Coppola has said like she really enjoyed aspects of film she enjoyed like makeup like kind mm-hmm. of like yeah film makeup she kind of enjoyed fashion yeah and like set design and stuff like that and like kind of had all these interests and then it was like the thing of i think it was the virgin suicides mm. was her favorite book and then found out that was going to be made into a film and then went 
well, I need to, like, let, let me have a go at writing a script <laughs> yeah. for that. Uh, and then it's like this thing of like, oh, well, that encompasses all the things I really enjoy. Right. Like, and that's probably like the thing, that's probably why a lot of people level at her, that a lot of her films are very style over substance, especially something like Marie Antoinette. Um, um i like, i like marie antoinette i think it's it's really like i think it's um it's so unique mm-hmm, and i think yeah. i'd i'd rather i'd much rather see uh, a really unique swing and a miss do you know what i mean then you know i'd rather see something really stylized and imaginative and creative like that i'd rather see that than just you know another churned out sequel or something you know that everybody loves doing the same yeah. thing and doing nostalgia bait and everything else so yeah i i thought it was a really interesting interesting movie um and i love kirsten dunst anyway who doesn't love kirsten dunst like she just she's she never does a bad a bad job at anything yeah so so you know it's just i i kind of dig it i think it's cool um but yeah it's it's very strange i i always wonder like what's what's like if they've got a big occasion if it's like what's christmas at the coppola's like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, th- well, I, f- I think they own like this kind of vineyard in Napa Valley. So, I well, I oh, well yeah, because like... you have the the wine, you have the Coppola yep. wine. So, yeah, obviously, like, do they go to the vineyard? Are they all there? Is there a big table with all the Coppolas around it, and they're all chilling out and and eating yeah. and drinking <laughs> their wine? Like, what happens? It's yeah, mad. Yeah, I I imagine like I kind of imagine this kind of like wedding setup where they kind of have like disparate tables as well so they might have like the head table is like the oscar winners like so like francis nick sat there and then they have like the nominees table you kind of got like roman just sat there going like well i nearly won an oscar for moonrise kingdom you were just nominated get back not good enough get back to your table yeah exactly again there's there's fascinating stories and i think like the kids were kind of destined to be in yeah, all of them, like Jason included. Um, both Francis Ford Coppola and Sophia have retold this story of how summer they were kind of like given the task to like write like one act plays. Oh, wow. Like by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> like, come on, like, and he kind of had like a kind of like theatre space essentially at their Napa Valley. Uh, as you like, do, yeah. But like, you, you guys kind of like take a take a couple of days you, you write your one act play and then saturday night we're going to perform them wow and it's like, like and that's <laughs> the thing like there, there is that thing that he could be like seen as very much like pushy like dance mum like <laughs> yes. in, in the way he's got, <laughs> like do you know what I mean like so- sophia especially like you mentioned the, the godfather part three and it is that kind of thing of like it's like get it like get in this film like, yeah, as opposed yeah, yeah. To, like, like do you want to do what you want to do well it was like, she was only in there because the actress who was supposed pulled, to play yeah yeah that actress actually <laughs> pulled out and he had no choice basically yeah. he was just like i need an actress now you're mm-hmm. about the right age like and i, I just imagine us yeah sort of kicking and screaming onto set just like no dad no i don't want to do this i'm not ready and it's kind of going good on um so i think yeah i don't i don't <laughs> think any of this is her fault particularly on godfather 3 um, and again, like, it's so subjective. Like, I've got mm-hmm. friends and, and people that I respect their opinion greatly who are just like, yeah, actually, on a reappraisal, it's not that bad. I just think that people kind of got annoyed because it was his daughter. And they were kind yeah. of just like, oh, she only got the part because. And you're just like, well, 
you know, if she didn't have much time to prepare and if he didn't have much time to prepare, fuck it, what do you want? Like, it's still, yep. you know, it's still not appearing on anybody's 100 worst films list. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, I think it's still doing okay. It's a fucking Godfather movie. Um, <laughs> that, there's a theory I have about, like, kind of uh, Francis Ford Coppola's, like, insistence for his children to kind of get into film almost is that, like, it's reported that his dad... Kind of was like a, a struggling flautist mm -hmm. and like because he had that kind of struggle um yeah carmine coppolis turned around to his children and said like i don't want you to 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 go to to do this i don't yeah. want you to try and like do anything in entertainment and I think it's that kind of thing when your parent like that rebellion. Oh yeah, if you like, if you're told not to do something, it's gonna yeah. it's gonna make you dig in and do it more, isn't it? So yeah, and especially if you are a creative person, if you already know mm -hmm. that you want to do something creative and artistic, and and you know, and and yeah, either make films or be in films, um, or be a musician or or you know any kind of creative. If somebody if if that's already you know flourishing in you and you know it's something that you love and you're interested in and then somebody goes no <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's like well fuck you I'm going to be a filmmaker I'm going to be a drummer I'm going to do this because yeah it's yeah because when you're a teenager like yeah you you know if anyone's like don't you crawl over that broken glass and then in, mm -hmm. get into that bath full of vinegar you're gonna do it because somebody's told you not to um. <laughs> teenagers are awful um <laughs> so yeah you, well, you know you you i think yeah of course uh, but i it, it is understandable as well at the same time because you know it's it's very different now because if you um you know you can only really be a creative in you know the truest sense you can only really like hole up in a you know in a little flat and create if you have a backer so like if you have the money to go and do mm -hmm. your degree and you know and have a studio and be an artist you know you need financial backing so you either need a very rich family or you need to strike it incredibly lucky incredibly <laughs> young so that you can be financed yeah. you know so yeah so it's kind of it's not quite the same as as starving artists i think once you get past a certain point you know you are free to be like yeah fuck it be what you like you know <laughs> like celebrity kids get the chance to be models uh, you know models artists oh. filmmakers actors because they can because they've got the choice to do that none of them go out and be, become accountants do you know what i mean like nobody yeah. goes out and becomes an estate agent if they've got like a famous filmmaker father um so yeah and and but again it's that it's it's that old adage of do what you love you know do the yeah, do the thing exactly. that you that you love the most and i think that's just you know that's obviously like a really nice thing to have like to have that luxury to just be like mm -hmm you've got the chance to do this if it's there if you want it um if you do want to go and become an estate agent that's fine but like if you want <laughs> you can be a filmmaker or you can be an actor well you touched on the fact that yeah uh teenagers will kind of when they're told not to do something will do the complete opposite yeah so it was like the perfect segue <laughs> to talk about it is kingdom <clears throat> what kind of bird are you i'm a sparrow she's a dog no. I said, what kind of bird are you? Dear Suji, here's my plan. Dear Sam, my answer is yes. Dear Suji, one. Dear Sam, where? Dear Suji, walk 400 yards due north from your house to the dirt path which has not got any name on it. Turn right and follow to the end. I will meet you in the meadow. 
Who's missing? Shukuski, you in there? Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. Does it concern you that your daughter's just run away from home? That's a loaded question. Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. What am I looking at? He does watercolors, mostly landscapes, but a few nudes. If we find him, I'm not going to be the one who forgot to bring a weapon. Hmm. Me neither. Where's the boy? I'm told that he's just been struck by lightning. It's true. I'll be out back. I'm going to find a tree to chop down. When did you first see this film and what were your kind of first impressions when you saw it? Um, I, I think I saw this Oh my gosh, when did it come out? What year did it come out? 2012. 2012. I think I saw this around 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so the year I got married and um yeah, I think I think it was my husband Daryl who showed it to me. Um but yeah, I just instantly fell in love with it. I think it was it was just so funny and I mm-hmm. and sweet. Um, you know, but just just really really touching. Um, and it was so different to anything I'd sort of seen up to that point. And, you know, it wasn't my first Wes Anderson, but it was definitely, um, I, I talk about this in my, in the Sudden Double Deep episode where we talk about it as well. So for anybody who's listening to both, I'm very sorry, I will repeat myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was kind of, I'd, I'd seen The Life Aquatic. I think that was my first Wes Anderson and I didn't really understand it. I didn't really get it. Um, because everyone is so serious. <laughs> everyone's got <laughs> everyone's got such a you know serious poker face while they're delivering these lines, and it's kind of I just didn't understand. I didn't understand why they were dressed the same. I didn't understand why the the fish were animated. I didn't. It was just like it was all it was all a bit like I don't get it. Whereas everyone was raving about how amazing this filmmaker mm-hmm. was. Um, so yeah, to see Moonrise Kingdom and kind of have it be so perfect i think it's so perfectly made and it's such a perfect example again of wes anderson's style and his um his aesthetic like his color schemes and his uh symmetry that he uses and and like you know perspective and all those kind of things that that really uh, make him stand out as a filmmaker um it is such a perfect example of that um but yeah it's just it's very innocent like the the relationship between Sam and Susie is just so innocent and sweet, mm-hmm. and yeah, just just um, a lot of the actors in it, like the 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 grown ups in inverted commas, um, is some of the best stuff they've ever done. And I kind of yes. I, you know I I just feel like it's a real shame that um, Bruce Willis, especially, I feel like this is <laughs> I feel like this is the last funny thing he ever did, and it might still be the last funny thing he ever does. Yeah. And I just think that's a real shame. Intentionally, at least. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, if people follow me on Twitter, they'll kind of know that I've got this like low key beef with Bruce Willis. <laughs> and I think it is because the fact of like he was so great, and it's that yeah. thing of like you're better than this man. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I think it's the fact that like 
for the past however many years I've kind of like lived with people like bad mouth and Nicolas Cage for being in these straight to DVD movies. Oh man, like, they no I... Bruce Willis <laughs> is right there and like doesn't even like d- doesn't even like show up. Yeah. For any of them, he kind of like turns up, phones gets it his in, paycheck, yeah. yeah, and then goes. At least like Cage is in a straight to DVD movie, but he's going like he's, balls to yeah, the yeah, wall, yeah. fucking crazy. He's treating like, it like it's fucking. Something. He's treating it like it's a fucking Oscar contender. Like, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. But, um, let's talk about the kind of the cast before we kind of get into sure. what this film is about. So, as you mentioned, we've got Bruce Willis as Captain Sharp, Ed Norton as Scoutmaster Ward, yeah. Bill Murray as Mister Bishop. Francis McDormand and a little aside I love the fact that um I've got the Criterion like release of this lovely like documentaries and kind of uh, the the commentary is possibly one of the most Wes Anderson things (laughs) ever because it's it's presented by Wes Anderson I think like a guy who's like the head of Criterion wow and uh Jake Ryan uh, who plays Lionel the oldest of Susie's younger brothers oh right okay who is in eighth grade as well he kind of plays like the the awkward kid that Elsie Fisher's character goes on a a date with at the end right the chicken nugget kid (laughs) no I haven't Daryl keeps trying to make me watch it but I'm it's fantastic yeah it's 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 such like definitely like yeah i'm a little frightened of it (laughs) just because just because i've been a teenage girl do you know what i mean it's it's Mm -hmm. just like that that crushing trauma of being alive at 14 years old like and how everything is just the worst like everything is like just so it's so heart-wrenchingly awful (laughs) like everything is every day is the end of the world when you're 14 and i'm just kind of like yeah i'm not sure i want to go back in there i'm not sure i want to but yeah i will i will at some point i definitely will spoil the film in any way but like the the kind of one of the main scenes with um yeah Ro- uh, Jake Ryan uh-huh. is near the end of the film and kind of like when you get to that scene it just makes you feel so like warm and fuzzy oh, inside and nice. it's just like he he's he's fantastic and he's one of many kind of child actors we get in this that like, yeah and and now like oh that's that kid from that yeah so, <laughs> going down the list we have tilda swinton as social services jared gilman as sam shikuski cara hayward as Susie bishop jason schwartzman of course as cousin ben bob balaban as the narrator lucas hedges what happened to him as redford <laughs> and it goes on there's so many like great performances and um would you do me the pleasure of kind of giving a, a brief synopsis of kind of what this film is about, Jeanette? Yeah, of course. Um, so essentially, this film is centred around um, New Panzance Island, uh, which, uh, according to the lovely Bob Balaban, is 16 miles across um, and, uh, yeah, only a few miles uh, wide. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's uh, a tiny little island, Oh, there you go. You've even got the lovely map of it. That's yes. fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a tiny little island with a very small community living on it. Um, and it's uh, the story centers around Susie, who has um, three brothers and uh, mum and dad who aren't particularly happy um, in one of the biggest houses I've ever seen. It's kind of, <laughs> it's, it's the, like the TARDIS. It's much bigger on the inside. Um, 
and her kitten. So she reads books and she hangs out with her kitten. And uh, and yeah, she she's a teenage girl. She's growing up. She's starting to get cross about the world around her. She's starting to get irritated by her little brother. She's starting to get pissed off with her parents not liking each <laughs> other. Um, and she's starting to get annoyed that nobody seems to be listening to her. Uh, and then you have Sam, who is a khaki scout uh, who is one of the best Cub Scouts there's ever been. He is <laughs> he is a, a survivalist warrior scout. He's amazing. Um, and he meets Susie at a, at backstage at a play and they kind of have an instant, instant connection. They like each other very much. They become pen pals and um, and they decide that they, they're the only ones that understand each other in the world and they decide to run away uh, and find their own little slice of heaven and, and live there together um, because they've fallen in love. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's about as soon as they go missing, obviously the whole island um, goes berserk. And and yeah, the, the film is about trying to find them and trying to figure out what to do with Sam um, because, yeah, he's a, he's a foster kid. He's an orphan who's being fostered and, you know, he's, you know, he's a, he's a, inverted commas problem child um and yeah needs to figure out what what needs to happen to sam um but yeah it's it's kind of it's this whole cast is just it's all tangled up in this um this love story this this love story for the ages so let's talk about some of those earlier scenes like it kind of like i love that opening because it kind of like is the wes anderson calling card when we get that kind of like here's like some like shots of like very static shots but then quick like pan zooms and this kind yes. of like I, th- I think uh daryl put it in your episode of like this doll's house yeah very much Is like it? a doll's house like you've taken a wall off the house yes and you're just looking in the rooms as they it, as they move around the house yeah it's kind of weirdly like you like you can't you don't really get a sense of the geography of the house though at the same no. time it's kind of like <laughs> i would i would love to see like I'm sure there's somebody who's making kind of Tony Collette style miniatures. Oh from yeah, from hereditary of Wes Anderson houses. <laughs> like, probably like, the, the, there's probably the one big... on Instagram right now. I'm sure if you hashtag Wes Anderson interiors, somebody's got a page devoted to it. I'm, I'm going to guarantee like an Etsy it. Store, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll get a Davy Crockett hat, <laughs> a, a uh, yeah, a, a Camp Ivanhoe badge. Yeah. A, a, oh my god, the patches, patch. the patches <laughs> in this movie. Like, I'm a big fan of patches. Um, I collect them. I, I have a denim jacket covered with them, and I just, I, I patches is one of those. Like, pin badges and patches is mm-hmm. one of my, one of my loves. And yeah, the amount of patches that these Cub Scouts have that I need in my life, like they're just, <laughs> they're so great. And kind of, I keep trying to to pause the film at the right moment so I can read them. Cause like, yeah, some of the, obviously some of the Cub Scouts have more than others, but their symbol is like a little raccoon head. And I just, I just love it. I just love the, the look of this is so much. There's so much detail like in, in the costumes and everything. And it's, it's all, obviously it's Wes Anderson. It all has to fit a certain color palette and a certain tone um and this is set in the 60s as well so like it it does have to have that kind of 60s aesthetic so everything's a little bit homemade and ramshackle you know well we get that thing obviously yeah we get that thing of the benjamin britain like uh song where it kind of the introduction to the orchestra yes yeah yeah yeah. 
but uh, yeah as you kind of like um mentioned like the the island like new Penzance and bob balaban is this kind of like <laughs> i don't he's like he's like he's like a geologist he's he's, he's a, like yeah like a greek chorus yeah. as well, isn't he? he's kind of <laughs> yeah. like telling you like what's gonna happen and like kind he, of he, but only but only in regards to the island so yes. like it, it's almost like the island is a different character in the film it's like its own mm-hmm. separate entity in the film is this tiny island um, and yeah, I just, I love the Bob Balaban scenes because yeah, he's just, he's this little man in a big red coat and he's, you know, <laughs> and he's walking boots and yeah, he's either like measuring the wind speed or like he's sending a weather balloon up or he's like standing with one foot on a rock, like in front of some scenery, kind of with his hands on his hips, telling you some information. Um, I, yeah, I just, I think it's adorable. He kind of, yeah, he tells you like, um, you know how much rainfall there is he tells you what the wind speeds are like he tells you how big the, the island is his introduction and i just always think of that thing of like how long did that actually take to shoot because obviously like his background just keeps changing yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Then, like this film like bears repeat viewing because you kind of like i don't know it's like one moment there's just like this gruff man like sat at a table with like kind of hunting <laughs> gear behind him and it's like yeah and then there's like him on the rocks and then you've just got like these two random children in the background yeah what is like what is going that comes to play like much later in the film yeah but also like there's kind of the the sun's at different levels at different times when he's talking to you so like in some it's really sunny and in some it's really cloudy and some it's raining and some it's dark and you're just like yeah that must have taken a week like just Bob Balaban scenes I mean or it could have taken two days who knows but it's just it gives you that sense of him just being around all the time like he's just he's in the background and he's kind of yeah he is the island isn't he yeah and like I love there's a moment um when like the parents and the khaki scouts and that are, are desperately looking for Sam and Susie and he kind of just like turns up yeah. and goes like oh if you remember I gave Sam his uh like um uh, uh, cryptography badge or something oh like yeah that. yeah and his like, map reading like, yeah yeah he, 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 he will definitely be going to this place and it kind of <laughs> almost feels like like a joke between Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola of going like well, uh, we've like written ourselves into a bit of a hole here. Let's, <laughs> let's just bring in the narrator to kind of yeah. like tell them like well, we're going to be here. Yeah, at the beginning <laughs> he tells you about because um, there's Native American trails across the islands. Um, so yeah, that kind of it does come into play because you know it's it's the the kind of Native American um, symbols are painted on things. So you have uh, teepees and horses and and Native Americans. There is an egregious use of. Uh, and Native American headdresses in this film, but I will forgive it. Um, One of them is worn by Bill Murray's actual son. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not cool, man. But yeah, it's it's just it's what it is. Let's get let it go. Um, well, it's that thing of as well that sorry to about like all this kind of iconography of Native uh, people. Yet not a single person. Not a single person of color. Not a single Native American lives on this island (laughs) that is like historically Native American with Native American trails and names for its camps. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) That's just very Wes Anderson, though, isn't it? It's just I think he's he's becoming more aware of this, and I think the louder people shout, the more he'll listen. I think you know it it is one of those situations where it's just like if enough people turn around and go like Wes, man, you have to address this. Yeah, I I I don't know like whether I'm saying this because I'm a fan, and it's that thing of like I 
genuinely think like especially the earlier stuff is done on a sense of like naivety of like yes do you know what I mean? Like, I often think about it like doing a podcast. And we're like, oh, it's, like, it's just you and a load of men talking a load of time. And it's like, well, that that's not down to me going, I hate women. That's more down to me going like, I feel like very self-conscious approaching <laughs> yes. women. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's down to that fact. But like, yeah, and, I th- and it's, well, even when he did Isle of Dogs, I think there was... Uh, that was problematic in itself yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like, that was like, problematic uh, all by itself um <laughs> so but let's not get bogged down no the, you, the you're, contra- you're gonna talk <laughs> about some other controversy with this you're gonna talk later, about anyway. that with somebody else on a different episode and i feel like you can you can dedicate the entire episode to how problematic <laughs> these things are um but yeah it's it's kind of um because yeah, Bob Balaban. Going back to him, he's just like he at the beginning he tells you about these trails and these these mm-hmm. places, and then further along the line he goes like, oh yeah, Sam asked me about these things, and he was very interested in them. So you'll probably find him here. So it's like a really nice way of knitting the whole film together. Um, and I just find the structure of this film really really interesting as well. It's kind of got these lovely flashbacks that you're having all the time yeah. to different information just... and different like things like letters and pictures and art mm-hmm. and moments and things. And it's just, yeah, you're constantly moving, you know, and it's yeah, it's the just the film just barrels along. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. just kind of like there's there's not like a kind of ounce of fat on it. No. There's, there's no moment in it where I go like, oh that that scene could go. And even like the kind of more quiet scenes, it's mm. like if you take that out, this whole thing falls apart. Because as much as it is this kind of like romantic story about these two like teenage kids, it's it's kind of not at the same time. Mm. It's kind of like using them as a thing of being like, like making you look at that, and then it kind of gives you these like small moments, or whether it's like the bishops, like the the two counselors. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Bill Murray, like when they kind of have their moment uh, later on in the film, and they kind of like. Um, like he says, I'm s- like she says, I'm sorry, Wolf, and he's like, oh, what for? Yeah, yeah. She yeah. says like, oh, well, well, whatever, like you're like still hung up on and stuff like that, and it's like, well, that that moment there is heartbreaking, and it's the small moments between Francis McDormand and, and Bruce Willis, and it's that thing of like you're almost like shown as an audience, like remember, remember yeah, how yeah, like, yeah. simple things used to be why do we as like adults ruin it basically yeah. by like putting all these other external weird things in the way whether it's and, and nine times out of ten it's ourselves yeah of course you know I mean? which we let ourselves get in the way and it's like well if we kind of take a leaf out of sam and susie's book it's like it's very simple yeah we're both we're both we're, we're both a little bit weird like, and we uh, like each other like, and we just want to be together. That's yeah. literally it. That's literally just the core of it. Like Susie's saying to her mom, like, we love each other. We just want to be together. What's so yeah. wrong with that? Because, yeah, so mom is obviously, um, she's having an affair with, mm-hmm. um, oh, remind me. Captain Sharp. Captain Sharp, thank you. I'm just going to call him Bruce Willis. But, yeah, Captain Sharp. <laughs> she's having an affair with Captain Sharp, which has obviously been going on for quite some time um, because, yeah, the um, when when he takes Sam in, for the night um until social services comes to get him in the morning um you know he was talking about being in love and he's like are you have you ever been in love and he's like yeah and he's like well why aren't you together and he's like because she didn't love me back and it's it's quite obviously you know Susie's mom and you're just like well mm-hmm. why haven't why didn't you because you she loves you now 
So what happened in that time from like, you know, him saying, please stay with me, please be with me and her going, no, I'm off to marry this guy. And then coming back full circle and realizing actually she does love him. So it's like, you know, there's this huge complicated story going on where, yeah, like Mr. Bishop obviously knows the affairs going on and he's very depressed about it. Um, but again, it's like it's not really spoken about because they have these kids and, and you know, they they it's yeah, there's obviously a huge complicated backstory going on there. Yeah. And but it's like as much as it is in the background, it's obviously that thing like you start to realize that like it is saying something about the time that this is set as well. Yes. Obviously, the, like for yeah, for a woman, especially, there would have been social pressure to kind to of stay like, with the family and, and yeah. Uh, and and be with someone who's kind of like respectable yeah you know what i mean like whereas like the kind of one lonely island cop like <laughs> wes anson has said like it's kind of interesting that he's inspired by the character by uh roy schneider's character in jaws he kind of like nice. that imagery of like the one cop in a place yeah and kind of like all of the all of the kind of um communities small or big problems fall upon his shoulders yeah that's a nice analogy and there's this thing like like digging into like the music whenever sharps on screen you got like hank williams and it's kind of shows this like loneliness yeah it's like this kind of like lonely cowboy music almost yeah it's like you get this sense that like i don't know he's heartbreaking yeah it's like it's that thing even though i would have been like I saw this, yeah, 2012, so I would have been in my 20s. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was like, even then, I was like, I can more relate to, like, the kind of, because I would have been, like, early 20s, so, like, could have, like, would have related more to, like, the Sam and Susie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that from, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. Whereas, like, now I'm, like, getting older and, like, my circumstances have changed. I'm like, I I relate so much more to Mr. and Mrs. Bishop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and Captain Sharp, like yeah, kind of like, the sad grown-ups. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what happens when it all goes wrong? And like, <laughs> I, like especially now, it's like, yeah, I know, like I've I've had somebody who like I loved and it didn't work and stuff like so that th- those lines are like, oh, like <laughs> absolutely uh, murder me. But, yeah, um, I... let's talk about Camp Ivanhoe. Oh my God, Camp I Ivanhoe! Love I love it so much. <laughs> I, honestly, I think. And again, I said this on on the podcast episode we did, but Edward Norton, like he was in two of the films that I picked for my birthday yeah. episode. So he was in um, Kingdom of Heaven. Obviously, he was uh, uh, the king um, with the mask. <laughs> you know, he had leprosy and you, you don't see his face. But I, I think it's one of the best things he's ever done. He's so subtle and gentle in that film. And his performance is, is quite extraordinary for a man who's like not really seen um, mm-hmm. for his whole performance. And he is hilarious like edward norton again is a man who i'm just like please be funny like you yeah. like you don't have to be serious all the time you have such good comedy chops like so please like push yourself to you know it might be more like um out of your comfort zone i think you know to take these kind of funnier roles rather than serious roles because when you think edward norton you think fight club um you, you know you think uh hulk you think these kind of you know yeah. angry or or very sad characters um but yeah that guy's funny man he's got serious serious comedy timing 
And just the, the walk, the first walk through camp, oh. camp Ivanhoe, when he's just like, how's that lanyard coming along? <laughs> Horrible, sir. And he's, like, and he's, got, he's smoking a fag, right? Because it's the yeah. 60s. So he's smoking a fag and like walking through. And there's a kid setting fire to an ant's nest, but he's not really interested in that bit. He's interested in the fact that his socks aren't pulled up and his shirt's not tucked in. It's a uniform violation. And then he, this kid's building a tree house on top of what is essentially a telephone pole. It's like a tree with no branches. And he's just like, safety violation. And he's like, well, then where would you build it? And he's like, lower. Lower. And- <laughs> That's crazy about that. Um, that treehouse was built. And they, they actually just, built. Like, for that shot, just took oh my- away the guide cables. Oh, my God. It. Yeah, like on the on the commentary, where Anson kind of goes into like, it's just like there's there's little weird things. And like part of me is like, is he trolling? Because <laughs> like, that, 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 to me, it's like, there's uses of miniatures throughout. Yes, the film. gorgeous that's miniatures. Got to, yeah, that's got to be a miniature because otherwise. Yeah, that's like, mad. Why would you? Why would you actually build that tree? I house? mean, it but looks like, great. Yeah, you... you know, it looks fantastic. But yeah, like I didn't for one second think that was a real tree house because yeah, <laughs> it just looks like it looks like uh, yeah that it's just on a on a telegraph pole. It's just this little the, tree the... house swaying precariously in the breeze. Like Jesus. The Blu-ray menu uh, on the Criterion just has this amazing thing where it's got the treehouse kind of slightly swaying <laughs> in the wind. It's so dangerous. And then, <laughs> and then cuts to um, Redford's motor. Yeah, in the in tree. The yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just pop, pop, so pop, like pop, 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 putting away in the tree. Like, and yeah, the it just it's wonderful. It's such a reflection of the sixties and how like it was very much like more about discipline and and you know hard work um rather than any kind of regard for children's safety like it just it that kind of thing was just so um so not forgotten about but it just wasn't even a consideration in the 60s like that that actually what these kids were doing was very dangerous because yeah these kids have knives arrows they have axes they have fire um you know and and yeah some of these kids are tiny as well like some of these cub scouts are really tiny so like yeah it's just it it cracks me up every single time they're kind of treated like soldiers these tiny kids yeah I, lo- I love that kind of, like you mentioned, that first introduction to the camp and um, when you get like the kind of reveal that Sam's, as as um, Scoutmaster <laughs> Ward says, Jiminy Cricket. He flew the coop. And it's like... The best thing about that scene, like I just, <laughs> it cracks me up every single time. So he's like, it's zipped from the inside, which isn't a thing. It's not a thing. Like, and he gets out, it's like, he gets out his little pen knife so he can open it from the inside. As again, it's a zip, like zips work both ways. Like it doesn't matter which side you yeah. zip it up from. And then, and then <laughs> Sam, bless him, instead of like just leaving the tent through the zip, like through the zippy door, he's cut a hole in the side, which is completely pointless. Not only that, he's <laughs> covered it up with a poster, but you can see it from the other side. It's just, it's a, it's such a wonderful visual gag that is just so perfectly constructed. I think like comedy is actually a science, like sometimes, like yeah. especially for things like visual gags. And when you get it that spot on, like that perfect, um, it's just magic. Well, I think Wes Anderson, like especially, shows that because this film is just full of them, full of them, yeah. Where it's just like, like there's like just on on the rewatch today, there's a moment in like yeah when you look at the the setup at Camp Ivanhoe, yeah. 
the the barbecue says property of chow master yes. and it's like <laughs> stuff like that that you don't like you wouldn't you wouldn't pick up on on the first yeah watch. yeah yeah the, the like crocheted blanket that sam has in his in his yeah. tent and like kind of the kind of ephemera that um uh, Scoutmaster Ward has, and like there's just the shot of um, the kind of what would he be like, the Grand High Scoutmaster, yes, in Indian Corn Magazine, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Indian Corn Magazine quote... that cracks me up every time. There's a quote from him that just reads, uh, like, are we men or are we, uh, yeah, are we mice or are we men? <laughs> and it's like, like, stuff like that is just like fantastic, and um, yeah, when the kids get like. So Scoutmaster Ward uh, gets like says to them like, "Well, we need to look for Sam." And yeah, like, yeah. And they're that... like weapons, and he's like, "No, we're trying to find him, not hurt him." <laughs> like it's just it, it kind of the fact that you have to remind these kids that it's just like, no, this isn't warfare. Like you're supposed to be finding someone, like not not hurting them. The moment I love in that is when one of the kids asks him, like he says, "This is a non-violent operation." <laughs> but like earlier, a kid had asked him, like. What's your real job? Because <laughs> yeah. you kind of got these kind of like um, Aaron Sorkin, like walk and yeah, talk yeah, almost. Yeah. Like him kind of like marching with the kids. And he says like, oh, I'm a math teacher. And they're kind of like, lazy eyes really giving him sass. Because he's, <laughs> yeah. like, he's like, oh. Do you need um, a PhD like, oh, for that, sir? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's, he's, he, he kind of like, you get this sense of like self-doubt in him. And it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Well, because he turns around and goes, no, actually, I'm a scoutmaster first <laughs> and a math teacher second. and it's just like that's his passion it's just like no this is what (laughs) i love like i do i do mass teacher to pay the bills like i'm here for you guys wes anderson said the reason he cast um edward norton is because he thought he looked like somebody who would have been painted in a norman rockwell painting i always find that fascinating like he kind of he does have that kind of like period appropriate look to him whether it's the way like he kind of styles his hair and he's for somebody who's played all these dark roles, he looks very boyish. Yes. Yeah. Like when you put him in a pair of like khaki shorts and like a scout <laughs> yeah. uniform, like even with the cigarette <laughs> on, it's like, like, do you know what I mean? He, yeah, it doesn't look like he'd he been look, old enough to buy them at the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he looks like a 17 year old <laughs> in, a, in a rough area. To be you know fair, I, mean? like, I think you put shorts and knee socks on most people. That's what happens. Yeah. Like you inf- instantly infantilize them when you put somebody in shorts and socks like that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just this, and as well, there's something about scout uniforms as well. It's kind of, you know, it's like you get the same thing with Mounties, anything with a hat. I feel like anything, yes. that's any kind of uniform that's got a hat with it, like, or a sheriff, um, they kind of look like a kid playing that role, like not like a grown up. Do you know what I mean? Or even a cowboy. Yeah. You know, it's it's that kind of like, yeah, that's that's not a real outfit, is it? That's a dress up. Um, one of the kind of things I love about this film as well and the, the, the way it was kind of like put together is they all like apparently they all kind of like shared a common like not in a weird way but like kind of like lived like locally oh, cool. in Rhode yeah. Island all kind of like um like came to set in costume like so would get on a bus like did their own makeup even down to uh, Cara Hayward. Susie, yeah, like, she did her own makeup. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's it kind of has this sense of like a big summer yeah. camp and it's like it's it seems like it's a lot of fun and like I imagine like yeah, from like seeing like uh, behind the scenes footage and stuff like that. You just got this like there's this very bizarre <laughs> moment in like this kind of behind the scenes documentary where 
there's like it's at Fort Lebanon and there's all the kind of khaki yeah. stuff and like Wes Anderson like they must have finished the take or something like that but they're all kind of like it's like Beatlemania <laughs> and there's all these kids like shoving their hand towards it but there's like this kind of they've almost like developed this like they've been around they've been in Wes Anderson land yeah and they're all going like it's a pleasure to work oh. with you sir and it's like is this like is this or like and there's just one kid who goes like Oh, I love Fantastic Mr. Oh, Fox. Oh, so <laughs> nice. Isn't that sweet? But yeah, like you forget how many kids are actually in this film. Like there's actually very mm-hmm. few adults. The majority of the cast of this film is actually the scouts. So, you know, and the, yeah. and the kids in the play. And, you know, there's, there's just so many children. So, yeah, when you kind of, it must have been so much fun. And when they get to, um, you know, the... Uh, St. Jack's Island. Is it St. Jack's or St. John's? St. Jack's, right? St. Jack's. So St. Jack's, they get to St. Jack's and they meet uh, Cousin Ben at like the bigger camp. Um, You know, there's there's stuff going on in the background. There's zip wires, there's rockets, there's kids doing assault (laughs) courses, there's running, there's like kids running in formation. There's like, there's all this kind of, (laughs) go go and stand by the trampoline and talk about it. There's a kid bouncing on a trampoline. Like there's just, there's kids everywhere doing the maddest stuff. Um, so what? yeah, they must have all been having such a good time, and I, 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 I think that that's lovely that he he managed to create such a lovely, fun atmosphere for them. They found a lot of the like khaki scouts whilst essentially looking amazing for the character of Sam, yeah, yeah, because they were like, and it took eight months for them to kind of find, um, Sam yeah, because the the kid who played Redford was going to be Sam uh, initially. I think he was he was who. Uh, Wes Anderson had in mind to be Sam um, uh. but actually like he decided that he wasn't quite right so obviously when they found Sam um, he was like no I, I still like this kid and I still want him to be in my movie so yeah he gave him the character of Redford um, but yeah I just I, uh, Redford's brilliant as well and he's like we've been really shoddy we've been really shoddy towards oh, Tchaikovsky that, yeah, the, uh, in fact yeah. we've been downright mean uh, he's just, it just <laughs> it's the dialogue is wonderful and it's like it is typically Wes Anderson where it's very very whimsical kind of dialogue but yeah like hearing it come out of these tiny kids mouths is just when they're dealing with such grown-up subjects um you know when they're kind of with the wedding and stuff like that the the, you know when Susie and Sam decide they're gonna get married (laughs) and Redford turns around and goes can they have the nickels we're worried about their future and it's just like, it's so sweet. It's such a grown up thing to do to be like, they're getting married. They're going to need some money. Um, but yeah, he's this, he's this child. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, that's my feet. Yeah. And he's like, he's just like, that's my feet. That's not, no. Okay, fine. And he like shoves it towards them, doesn't he? Like, yeah. Cousin Ben is just that, that whole part of that film is just one of the biggest highlights for me. Um, I think there's like a kind of reading of this film that like it's written like the children are written like yes. adults and the adults are very much written like yeah. children. Like, even in the ways that they behave, like you Oh, Mr. Like, Bishop is just stroppy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's stropping about, he's kind I'm gonna of go like, cut down a tree. <laughs> yeah, or it's like when he's like throw he throws his shoe at Scout Master yeah. Ward and stuff like that when they kind yeah. of when they say that like it was Susie who yeah. stabbed he stabbed, yeah, he stabbed the kid in the woods and stuff like that. But like, because he he doesn't yeah. he doesn't know how to. Again, it's like it's very much a, a, a indicative of the time that this is set as well. Like in mm-hmm. the sixties, you didn't talk about your feelings. 
You weren't even yeah. allowed to have feelings, let alone talk about them. <laughs> so like this man who is being cheated on by his wife, you know, he's 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 a dad. He's obviously not very happy. He kind of he doesn't really know how to communicate with his children, especially Susie. Like Susie is, you know, becoming a young woman. She needs some kind of understanding and some kind of um some kind of guidance but of course like they've 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 got their little pamphlet on how to deal with a troubled child and they've kind of decided that that's that's what they're going to do instead of talking to her or finding out what's wrong with her um they've just kind of done the grown-up thing and got a pamphlet and because it's the 60s <laughs> you know so yeah so so mr bishop's kind of yeah he's sulky and he's sullen and like he's 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 angry and he even when he kind of so when they find Sam and Susie on their on their little Moonrise Kingdom Island, you know, in their little cove, and he just lifts the tent off of both of them, and he just stares at them both as they're hugging each other, and he can't <laughs> even bring himself to say anything. He's so angry, like he's so furious, and he literally just stands there and stares at them, and you can see he's furious, and he just throws the tent away and walks off because he just he can't, you know, he's so repressed that he just he can't he can't even say he's angry at them. So yeah, he's, he's Bill Murray in this is beautifully underplayed mm -hmm. I, like, so let's talk about S sam and susie specifically and that kind of i love that introduction we get of sam and it, it mirrors a couple of shots we get earlier when he's like he's in his canoe and you get yeah. these brilliant like because the thing this film it feels it feels like it was almost like it, well, it's probably down to the fact that it's filmed on 16 millimeter yeah it's gorgeous so, like, it's got this like grain to mm -hmm. it and they they used these um atom cameras that were like made in conjunction with uh goddard so like and he but he never really used okay them. Like, by the time by the time they essentially made the cameras he's like oh, it's taken so yeah. long yeah i'm over it like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm over it now i find it really interesting that like the, the, the cameras they use they're like underslung cameras so you don't hold them on your shoulder kind of hold them at your waist oh like, anderson said like that's perfect for this film because most yeah of the yeah because of the kids like it's yeah, little yeah, kids yeah, exactly. yeah so like, that, that that's the level we want to amazing be at of the time um but yeah so when we get that like introduction of jared gilman mm -hmm. Sam, um what do you yeah what do you kind of make of his performance in this oh he's film? wonderful like he's he's glorious like sam <laughs> sam is such a gorgeous little kid and like you can really feel like he's just trying to find a place to be like he's just trying to find a family so like you know we we kind of see him trekking across this island you know really like <laughs> like he's he's such a good scout you know like he he's canoeing across the lake and he and he hides his boat by putting a couple of twigs on a pine cone on it and then he you know <laughs> hikes across the thing and yomps across this and uses a pulley and you know he's he's doing some amazing orienteering like he's he's doing really well yeah. and you can tell like he's really trying at this like he's really good at it um and like yeah he's just you can tell because he's so serious about being a khaki scout as well like he really loves it and like you feel like he's trying to find his his tribe you know he's trying to find his little home and um and yeah unfortunately he doesn't get on with the other kids and yeah it just is it's really sad because yeah he's just he is just looking for some brothers he is just looking for a family really yeah. um and yeah he's got his mum's brooch on which is something that you see you see you know very quickly you kind of realize he's wearing this part and it's like i think there's a there's a really zoomed in shot of it as well when you yeah. see like his hat the glasses the badges the brooch like you like you kind of get a, a snapshot don't you a little montage of sam 
Um, well, there's that moment when they're kind of like that. Those moments when they're together. Yeah. And he has that like brilliant line where he's like, um, like it's like uh, Susie asks him like, "What's that?" And he's like, "Oh, this belonged to my mum." He's like, "He's like, it's not, it's, it's not meant to be worn by a man, but I don't." Yeah, care. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's kind of you know, because <laughs> yes, uh, his scoutmaster didn't know that he was being fostered. Mm. He didn't know that he was an orphan. Like nobody told him. Um, you know, and he feels really bad about it. Like he he wants to look after this kid, and he, you know he's just like, oh shit! Like I've really let him down, which of course he hasn't. He just wasn't aware. Um, but yeah, no, Sam is just yeah. He's he's just a normal kid. He's just I I kind of I get I get kind of sad that people read too much into this, and they kind of like oh it's abusive and it's too sexual and it's just it's it's making these these kids too grown up and. You know, I, I get really sad about that because there's something so innocent and pure yeah. about Susie and Sam and the way that they, they've kind of fallen into this romantic love with each other because it's just like, have you never been 12? Like, have you never been 12 and kind of had your first kiss or your first handhold or your first, you know, first, um, your boyfriend, your bur- your girlfriend, whatever. Yeah, so that that, that scene, that, that like dance yeah. scene they do, was the last thing they Yes, I read filmed. this and it wasn't a closed set, wasn't it? So that they were much more comfortable, that they could be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so that they the actors could get to know each other as well and they could feel comfortable doing this scene together. And I think that was that's a very sensitive way of, of you know doing this. Um and yeah, the things that they're doing aren't really sexy. Like it's not it's not like they're stripping. Do you know what I mean? It's just Well it's 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 not filmed in like a kind of like sexualized manner and there's something i've been listening to recently which is lolita podcast and it kind of goes into the um like adaptations of the book lolita like nabokov's book yeah and kind of like how kind of like inappropriate yeah and uh, yeah the the sexualization of a teenage yeah a young teenage girl as well yeah 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 the 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 character in the book even though like i think in both film adaptations like we're going to age her up to 14. It's like, it's still Yeah, 14's two years off from 12. 14's, no. like, gross. Like, <laughs> and, then, and then the kind of, like, the way that the kind of the films and the directors and producers have, like, talked about them, like, Adrian Lyne's, like, two, uh, 1997 version, like, refers to her, even on the director's commentary, as, like, my Lolita. Uh. And it's all very... And, like, when you hear, like stuff like that and it, I, I don't want to give like yeah like i don't want to give like just wes anderson like bo- like blanket no of course um, sh- shadow yeah. of a doubt but at the same time like i do think that this is like done in like it seems like it was done in a sensitive yes. way and it, it as you said like it, it just touches upon that thing of like what like what it was actually like to to be to, a kid to, in to, love to be at yeah. that age and it's that thing of like that they're, they're kind of like even in those scenes it's like and i think it's something that uh matt brothers mm-hmm. on and sort of double deep like there's no like lingering shots no. or anything inappropriate there's, there's no, no like, close-ups there's no nasty kind of close-ups of skin or like you know there's no light shining on hips or do you know what i mean there's kind of there wasn't any gratuity um with that yeah. scene at all it was you know and they're kind of Susie's underwear isn't too old for her do you know what i mean it's still very much like age appropriate 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's not, you know, nothing is pushed up or squeezed in. Do you know what I mean? Like she still, she still looks like a young teenage girl and Sam is just in his, in his white pants and his shirt. And it's just, you know, it's, it's very innocent. Again, it's, it is very innocent. And, you know, I, I think it's, um, I think it's very dangerous to kind of sexualize children like that. It, it says more about you if you're watching that film and saying, oh no, that's too sexy like that that says more about how you're viewing that and what your mind's thinking than the film itself because yeah this is the film for me was very much about two I think they're both 12 but it's like you know two 12 year olds kind of um just yeah this is all very new to them and it's all very you know they're both romantics they kind of have an idea of how they're supposed to act and what they're supposed to do and you know they don't even know what French kissing is, but they try it anyway. You know, it's that kind of it is that kind of very innocent um, first steps into romance. Um, what the, there's like conflicting views anyway. There's people who obviously come to the thing of like, this it's is disgusting. Like, yeah, and like <clears throat> there's been articles in like the the Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. And like, and, but then like Professor Carol Siegel like says that like it's, it's delicate. And yeah. to a large extent, inoffensive. Yeah. And I think it, I think it is like it is that thing. And like you, you perfectly said. Like I think it does. If you're kind of watching, if this is getting your rocks off, there's something absolutely. Wrong with yeah. You. I don't like like, and it's like that thing of like the the film isn't about that. It's no, it's not, not about, about sex. Like it's not like, about yeah. you know. It's definitely <laughs> it's, not about sex. This is about two kids who love each other and kind of and just just want to be together they literally just want to hang out and have fun together they want you know Mm. sam wants to paint her like she wants to read to him like he makes her earrings out of beetles and fish hooks and then pierces her ears like which is hilarious (laughs) just because she's so in so much pain and then she looks at it and goes oh it's pretty do the other one like she's she spent like a good 20 minutes having a fish hook inserted into her ear and she loves him so much that she's gonna have the other one like I, I I love all of that yeah. stuff those two it's together. Gorgeous. Like when he asks her like, "Why do you use binoculars?" and she kind of says like, "It's like my magical power, like my magical power, and I kind of want to, I, I don't know, I want to feel something." And then you get that like, uh, <laughs> she's got you, you learn so much about them as well. You get her like romanticized ideal of what an orphan yes. is from the kind of book she reads. And because she's from them. a family, like she's got three brothers yeah. and two parents and she doesn't like any of them. So of course she's going to think that it's better to be out there on your own. And he's like, I love you, but you have no idea what you're talking about. And what she takes <laughs> from that is that he said, I love you. So she's like, I love you too. There's, there's an amazing line as well where he makes her cry because he he looks at the pamphlet that she shows him. She's desperately sad about the fact that his parents have this stupid pamphlet, like how to deal with your troubled child. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and she was kind of looking for some kind of understanding and he looks at it and he laughs and she's just goes, this isn't funny. And she sort of storms off and goes and sits in the tent and he comes in and she's been crying and he just goes, I'm sorry. And she goes, I know it's okay it's okay and he goes i'm on your side yeah that 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 crushes me that yeah because as an adult how many times do you want somebody to turn around and just be like <laughs> i'm on your side do you know what i mean like i understand like yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> you do just want that one person to be on your side don't you that's that's all any of us want 
So to hear this like yeah. incredibly grown up thing come out of like this little mouth, you're just like, you kids have got it right. Like you've definitely got it right. So like to push on with the plot, obviously they are found. And you get that moment where Susie uh, says to her dad, like one of these days, like somebody's going to be pushed too far. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and who knows what they're capable of. And like, I just love that. And it's kind of like, you get this intercut between like, Susie kind of like getting a telling off from mm-hmm. her parents, like even her brother Lionel. You're a traitor to our family, like, that I want to be. <laughs> yeah, and like the the kind of like the the scene of, of Sam and Scott. Oh, it, that that's the one that breaks my heart. <laughs> that's definitely the one that breaks my heart. And and Scout Master Ward's just like, if I could have inspected that camp, I would have given you full marks. He's like, it's the best camp I've ever seen. <laughs> And like it just because that's how he knows how to bond with this kid. And, and you know, he's really impressed with him. He's like really impressed with how much he, you know, how much he knew and how much he did. And, you know, he's like, and he's really devastated. That he doesn't want to be a khaki scout anymore. He's just like, but you were so good at it. Like, you know, yeah. that and, and Sam's crying and it just, yeah, that's the bit that really crushes me because Sam's kind of been told that he doesn't, he can't go back to the foster home and he can't, you know, he doesn't know where he's going to, end up and he knows social services are going to come get him because he set fire to a dog house whilst he was sleepwalking but he doesn't recall <laughs> um like yeah it's, it's just i yeah poor little sam like he just again it's like he just and he knows he can't be with Susie anymore which is you know even worse yeah. like not only have you got a telling off but you're not allowed to hang out with your girlfriend anymore that's awful <laughs> so we get the introduction here of social services played fantastically the wonderful tilda swinton, swinton yeah and it, it like it's again it's another like Wes Anderson staple but I think it's used like really well in this film is the like use of split screen yes when they're on the phone the way it's, yeah, yeah and the, but it's the way it's edited because you get these like they kind of like the shots linger for like longer than the conversations go on for and you kind of like get a um yeah you get a look into like these people's mm-hmm. lives so like you kind of get like when she's telling them about like how he's going to have a, a ele- yeah. electroshock treatment and they're kind of like, that was the girl. <laughs> yeah, like, about, about the, the stabbing. About, like, stabbing yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. And like when she's saying, oh, he'll go to a, I can't remember what she calls it, but basically like she gives a, a an orphanage like a really posh name. A ju- junior refuge Yeah, center. and you get like a, a newspaper, <laughs> don't you? Like a newspaper front yeah. page and it's got like a picture of all these kids, like hundreds of kids sitting at tables looking thoroughly miserable and you're just like, oh no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like, don't send him there. He doesn't deserve to be there. Like he just, he just needs a, he needs a friend. He needs a family. Like he needs someone to look after him. So like, cause all of the, like, cause yeah, um, Scoutmaster Ward and, um, you know, and the cop, they both fall in love with him, with this kid. Yeah. They think he's great and they don't want to see him sent away or unhappy. You know, they know what it's like to, to be underappreciated and, and on their own and they, they want to take care of him. Um, so yeah, they both fall in love with this kid and they desperately don't want him to go. And that, I think that's the loveliest thing as well, where you kind of, yeah, I just tried to push my glasses up my nose and I'm not wearing them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like that's the loveliest thing is to see this kind of um, friendship happening between these adults yeah. and these kids. That's that's lovely because I don't think that happens enough. I think that, you know, parents being friendly and kind to kids um, is something that, again, it's it's been kind of demonized. It's been kind of like you can't be nice to a kid without wanting something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's that thing as well. Like, I don't know, like, 
so, like sometimes I'm like super aware of like my own presence like around like children yeah but there's there's no reason for you to be do you know what i mean like there's absolutely no reason for you to feel guilty or self-conscious or aware because you're not you're not there to do anything you're just there around children um it's like now now i've got a child i'm like oh yeah like i'm I'm supposed to be here like i'm (laughs) i'm not just not that i was hanging around exactly (laughs) Exactly. it's it's that thing of like i don't know sometimes like it's, it's it's like weird situations like you might be walking down the street and like a little kid like catches eyes. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Like catches eyes. You might, I don't know. They might think I've never seen a man with. Yeah, a beard exactly. Before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or I like your hat. And it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's like that thing of like there is like an element of you that wants to go like, hey, have a good day yeah. or something. And it's See, like, I, d- I just, I just do like... that with kids. Like I, I just <laughs> talk to them. Like I don't address the parents. I address the kids because a lot of the time, like you know, I'll be wearing a silly t-shirt or like I'll, you know. Uh, like last summer I had silly color hair so I had pink and purple hair and like kids will look at you because they just it's fascinating Mm -hmm. and and yeah you just just waving smiling talking to them just saying hello like I think that that's yeah it's something that we don't do enough do you know what I mean don't just just Mm -hmm. you know include kids in the conversation um and and yeah there's a Scroobius Pip uh lyric where he says you know not every man over the age of 35 who hangs out with a child is a pedophile some but sometimes people are just nice and I think that's you know it's, it's yeah this that, yeah, this film that, does sum that up. Life. That's my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, even like with a kid and like in parks, like people are like especially if he runs off, people are looking at me going, like, "Is this?" <laughs> like, oh, I didn't steal one. him. Like he's mine. Yeah, I, I made I, him. I'm with. The, I'm just the one with really prominent Greek eyebrows. <laughs> it's son. definitely my son. Um, Look at us. Yeah, exactly. So. The treehouse scene, I think, is fantastic. And you kind of t- we touched on it. Oh, earlier. and they're, they're having like... their their war. It's like their war <laughs> yeah. room, isn't it? It's like a little war room up in that yeah. treehouse. But you got that kid. He's like, yeah, he's got the um, he's got like a smoking kind of jacket, smoking <laughs> jacket on. They're all playing cards <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. And like, I'm surprised they're not the smoking, bre- to be honest. Like it's the. Br- and then we get like the breakout, like so, oh, like, the rescue. Breakout. Get out of my chimney! They... <laughs> <laughs> so that that like that's something that's really interesting. Is like I was like, because I'm always fascinated like how stuff is filmed and like a, like that one was done. It's just horizontal. Yeah. Like oh, so yeah. it's so it's, like, it's not it's not um it's, it's not, not a proper done. a proper chimney. Oh, okay, yeah. that's no, no, clever. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and it, I always find that quite funny because it's obviously like yeah. Jared Gilman would have been like just like laying on his side looking at and like, <laughs> yeah. there's that thing as well that obviously like he that like yeah like Wes Anderson's giving him like tips and stuff like that because like, you need to move like your head a bit more like this because you're actually supposed to be looking yeah. up yeah that's really clever like, I, I never would have known that unless you just said because yeah it does look like um, Redford's just down yeah. the chimney just shining a torch down the chimney and just yeah look at like little Sam just like get out of my chimney He's like, this is a rescue. And, and he's like, I don't want to be rescued. <laughs> there's that shot of the kids as they kind of like pass over at night. to. to it's lovely, them. isn't it? In the canoes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're being told about uh, Cousin Ben. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to get him a job. He's going to he's gonna get them. A, like they're going to escape and be together. And Cousin Ben's going to like smuggle them out on a, on a ferry so that he can be a, like a He's got a cousin on a crab boat, hasn't he? And he's like, you could be a crab claw cracker. 
And he's like, it's better than yeah, electrotherapy. <laughs> but there's that brilliant line where, like, he, yeah, like, Sam asks, like, can, I, can we trust him? And he's like, usually I'd say no. But in this situation, like, <laughs> we're going to have to go with it. And that, that introduction we get to Jason Schwartz. <laughs> oh, when, my God. Cousin he's working ben. That Yeah, shop. he's like, if you want anything, you have to pay for it. If you don't have money, you can't have anything. Saying this to these tiny children, like it's like wartime. And he's like, you know, doing these deals, these underhand, under-the-counter deals with these tiny kids. He just and, and, yeah, when he wants to keep the nickels, like, oh, my God, that's my feet. Like, it just, there's my favorite part of this entire film is when we meet cousin ben but also like the wedding part like it just it -hmm. cracks me up every single time and ben's got this amazing monologue um because yeah susie and um you know they they're talking that we want to get married and he's like oh he's like i i could officiate it and he's like do you want to get married and they go yes and he's like no think about this like do you want to get married and they're like yeah we do and he's like they're not listening to me okay you like but oh my god the monologue where he's like i can't offer you a legally binding union it won't hold up in any state the country or frankly any courtroom in the world due to your age lack of license and failure to get parental consent but the ritual does carry a very important moral weight within yourselves you can't enter into a contract lightly look into my eyes do you love love each other they're like yes we do Think about what I'm saying. Are you sure you're ready for this? Yes, we are. And you're just like, no, you can't stop them. Like you've already <laughs> set this ball rolling. Like you've already, you've already started it. And that's when he's just like, go and stand over by the trampoline and think about it. And it's like, it's so, it's just like, yeah, these tiny children standing by a trampoline while a kid bounces on it, talking about marriage. It's just like, it's amazing. And like when he does the the ceremony, like the part where they, um, like they they're they're man and wife. These tiny kids, they they're married. Um, for all intents and purposes, and they hold hands, they walk off in slow motion, and it's fucking baller. This music, this amazing yeah. theme music starts, you know, the, the wonderful theme uh, of the film, which is yeah. wonderful. The music for this film is gorgeous. Um, it's, it's got this weird thing, like, the music, because obviously, like, it's got, like, a few uh, Andre Desplat songs, but then, like, there's the use of the Benjamin Britten, and mm-hmm. there's obviously, like, a couple of, like, like needle drops. But, yeah, that, that I think it's, like, the... the Andre the Splat like kind of and they've all got like a weird title so I was looking up on like Spotify and they've all got like the same title oh okay just different like, versions of the same like, song yeah yeah it's called like music for motivation or something <laughs> and it's like very like scout like yeah well like, it's got that whimsy to it hasn't it it's got that kind of yeah, yeah. this kind of very homemade kind of uh vibe to it and as well because like at the end of the film on the credits um, Sam introduces the piece of music like like at the beginning where the orchestra was introduced and like the the you know and then we introduce this instrument and then we bring in this yes. and Sam does the same thing but with the theme of the film the 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 Moonrise Kingdom theme and he's going and now we bring in the piccolo and now there's the guitar and now the electric guitar and the banjo and like it's just it's fantastic like this amazing theme. I- I think that might be the kid who plays live. Oh, is it? Like, I thought it was the, Sam. The kid who has the record. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, just just because, like, I think that he's got... And, like, this is another thing. So that kid is on the, the, the director's commentary right. in this film. And there is a moment that is, like, possibly one of the most well-known <laughs> moments. They, they get him to play, like, he plays... He plays a Beethoven piece on the piano. Oh, amazing. Like, in a commentary. <laughs> and he's just this kind of like the most Wes Anderson child <laughs> in Is the world. Is he wearing a little yellow suit? Present. You have, yeah. Like, I'd, I can only assume. <laughs> and then like 
the commentary is done that they call people who were like involved in the film or like are right. in the film. They just call them on the phone. So like they call up Bill Murray and let this <laughs> kid talk to them. And he goes, he goes, Hey Bill, it's Jake from Moonrise Kingdom. And like and like the introduction when he calls up um Edward Norton, he's like, Oh hey, it's it's Jake yeah, from, yeah. from Moonrise Kingdom and then um it's just as it's Jake yeah, he doesn't yeah. even say from Moonrise Kingdom and then like Wes Anderson says to him like Oh, maybe you should say it's, it's Lionel. From, oh, from right, right, Kingdom. right. Cause, yeah. Because yeah, of course like, he's not going to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Norton sounds quite di- uh, quite despondent, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I, I just didn't sound happier because you're not a khaki scout." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not one of the kids he worked with. Because obviously, like, why would yeah. he have learned that kid's name, like, or or like remembered it so well? Yeah. And um, so with the thing with like cousin Ben, um. I obviously sent it to you beforehand, but had you seen that kind of like promo clip of like the film night they did? No. Like the kind of Cousin Ben film night. So it's this is like amazing. It's only like two yeah. minutes and can easily be used as like an in almost like an introduction to the yeah. film. So it's like at Fort Lebanon, the kids having a having a film yeah. night and it's um it's Cousin Ben and it's this thing, it just makes me want to see more yeah because he's there like checking the kids and he's like hey hey hey, they milk duds he's like that's a, no outside it's <laughs> like it's like, like moving he's like and he's like you can buy jelly beans for 50 cents and he's kind of got this is priceless yeah some, he's hustling these children turn, yeah, yeah exactly yeah kids turn up late for the screening and he's like 1600 hours means 1600 <laughs> hours and they're like come on please and he's like like looks around and says like well you can sit at the front <laughs> on the floor <laughs> he has got this like it's like i was saying earlier like these tiny children are kind of being treated like soldiers like it's yeah. it's just you know there's no there's no scout organization in the world that would be as strict with their kids as, as these ones are um but again it was the 60s so it's kind of like there really wasn't any room for like you know being kind to kids or being gentle with kids it was kind of very regimented and kind of like no you know this is the time this is the thing um but yeah, like cousin Ben, like he could have a movie all to himself. Like it just, it, um, yeah. I th- I think you know him working for Harvey Keitel, like the main the main oh, Kaki Scout leader, like just just on that camp. Like yeah, I could watch days uh, of that. Imagine like a sitcom, <laughs> yes. like kind of like Fort Lebanon, <laughs> like the sitcom where it's just. Like, and why is like... it called Fort Lebanon? Like it's just, yeah, no, it's just yeah. like it's got no no bearing, no explanation, no nothing. Like why Lebanon? It just cracks me I, up. I, I, I love I love all this stuff. Yeah, Fort Lebanon. Again, we get another like walk and talk. Yeah, he's kind of like talk talking to the kids and all the mad shit yeah, going yeah. on in the background. The, the introduction of Harvey Keitel when you get so it's Wes Anderson's brother Eric. Oh, amazing! Like, right yeah. hand man, the guy in the glasses. He's giving him a shave, um, isn't he? He's got a hot towel on his face. And he's like, <laughs> when the kind oh. of correspondence comes through. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But, no, uh, we're both really excited about it, so we both want to talk about it. Yeah. The 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 um Scoutmaster Ward has lost all <laughs> he's of his lost troops. his whole troop. <laughs> and and Harvey Keitel's like first line like it's like when he holds like he delivers this line that i just love and it is like he's like who is this <laughs> <laughs> and you just kind of like this thing of like and then you get that but you just get all these shots of like when wards <laughs> like trying to get to Fort yeah. Lebanon real quick and you get 
almost like a mirror image of that scene earlier of him like exiting the tent with his yeah. Like, and his, well, his cigarette is always like two feet. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he's just well. smoking all like, the so time. He's been, yeah. He's been hot boxing <laughs> his tent. He's going to come out. He's again, he's reading Indian. He's like at the table reading Indian. <laughs> oh, wow, well, you corn. have an Indian corn magazine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that scene as well, because he sits down and he's like, starts reading his magazine. And he looks around at an empty table, which usually has around 20 kids at it. And he's just like, who's missing? And it's like, everyone, like everyone's missing. How did you get to this point without realizing that there was 20 kids missing from your camp? Just amazing. Like, yeah, he's just, and like when he's, he gets his uh, patch ripped off him, like he gets demoted. Oh, <gasps> it's, it's heartbreaking. Oh. And then like, cause like, just before and this like this is another thing just to, like the how this film is put together and goes down to like the 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 attention to detail yeah. in this film you know like the when the boat leaves the harbor when uh yeah Sam and and it kind of just like comes straight yeah. back is they they had like a kind of winch and pulley system like around like a jet wow. so they could just like pull the boat so it just went in that in a, like, in a circle it, it just in that straight line as well because obviously like a Wes Anderson and it like watching it a kind of because I've watched it maybe like twice yeah. in the last two weeks three times like with the the commentary uh, but like there's like the 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 thing of like you look at scenes and go like how long did that take like I I, I think to that moment when the kind of like uh the showdown has happened between Sam and Susie and yeah. the Scout. And that, like, the kids start, like, running down the hill. <laughs> yeah. And you can just imagine Wes Anderson being like, the symmetry's off, yeah. guys. You can't, like, you can't run around to... that rock. You're going to have to come around the other way. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. Again. It Let's doesn't work. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You've got to come down this way. You've got to go that way. Like, it's got to work out. It's got to be abstract. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it's definitely, oh, God, that scene with poor Snoopy the dog with an arrow in him. Yeah. And he's like, was he a good dog? And he goes, who's to say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, Again, like the script. It's stunning. Absolutely stunning. It's, it's great. And I know that, yeah, Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola kind of like drew upon their own lives. And one of the things that I found really interesting is the bullhorn. <laughs> yeah, because like, apparently uh, that was from their life, wasn't it? Their mum would call them to dinner yeah. with a bullhorn. And it, yeah, like the, bi the biggest question, the biggest question I have right? is like, how big was your house? <laughs> like if someone had to call you with a bullhorn to dinner like how many rooms away were you do you know what i mean or did your mum just really like the sound of her own voice yeah that or like i guess like just being on film set all the time, <laughs> yeah. it's like, well this is like this is handy like, <laughs> yeah. it, like it manages to work on a film set yeah. like and like let's train them early do you know what i mean let's get them used to like hearing yeah. bullhorns authoritative like like, useful <laughs> yeah, get the bullhorn in. But yeah, and and you know, mom kind of leans out the window and shouts up to Mr. Bishop, doesn't she? And she's just like, "Are you yeah. concerned that your daughter's missing?" And he's like, "That's a loaded question." <laughs> so, um, uh, uh, yeah, let's talk about like how this film kind of wraps. Yeah. Up. So we get Sam. He goes to which, like again, I only picked up on this watch. He goes to a conveniently named area called the Lightning Field. <laughs> where he gets <laughs> struck by lightning as we kind of get the, the and the nickels go flying yeah 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 the narrator stepped back in saying like this is the point where like the storm yeah. is getting to breaking point we get like, Bob the, Balaban coming again, in with his weather report and we get like the miniatures of like 
Camp Lebanon with the kind of like totem pole. Yeah, and the dam breaks, doesn't it, as well, um, yeah. Yeah, after that scene, that amazing scene of like the kids in kind of silhouette running <laughs> yeah. across the bridge. I, I love that. <laughs> I love it. Like the detail, this, uh, like you were saying, yeah. like the miniatures, the attention to detail, like the work that went into it, that like you can certainly see where he kind of evolved into, um, you know, your fantastic Mr. Foxes and your and your Isle of Dogs and, and, you know, that stop motion, because obviously, like, he loves using miniatures. So, like, you can see their influence um, in this. Well, this is his first film post. Yes, I always forget fantastic, fantastic Mr. Mr. Fox was Fox. before. So I think like, yeah, because as well, you've got like, you've got the kids dressed up as animals as well. And the kind of the yeah. way they move yeah. is very reflective of the way the the uh, stop motion moved in Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Yeah. But I think you can kind of like, you can tell that like this is his next film after yeah. that. Because yeah, like, very much. That kind of like, I don't know, like very tight, like watch like, very meticulous detail yeah that, that, that is in this tiny film. detail and like yeah yeah and it's like the but like and i think it really adds to it yeah and like wes anderson says on the commentary that like the thing he learned the most from doing animation is like just to like prep more basically yeah. and kind of like like because he said like in an animated film you basically have to make the like know what the film is before you do anything right like, especially with like stop animation like you need to know every yeah 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 of, of course before it's you such a massive endeavor I mean? like there's no way you can go yeah. into that blind like you you certainly know you have I, I mean i'd imagine i've never made a stop motion film but um it's a it's a medium that i'm very much in love with as an animation mm -hmm. style i just i think it's it's such an art form and i think it's criminally underappreciated um, so yeah, when you see something as glorious as Fantastic Mr. Fox, like the amount of man hours that went into that, you know, and, yeah. and woman hours, people hours. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like the, the planning the other day I was watching a tiny little snippet of, um, a, a jumper being knitted with two sewing needles for Coraline. So mm -hmm. like, so, so yeah, literally needles were being used as knitting needles and, and they were yeah. knitting with cotton they were knitting a jumper for Coraline because it had to be so small. And it was like, it, so you hand-knitted Coraline's tiny jumpers. Like, that's fucking batshit, isn't it? Like, that's that's absolutely <laughs> bananas. Um, I, I, I feel like there's a song in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Well, I'm pretty sure it's in Fantastic Mr. Fox. There's that, like, Davy Crockett song. Oh, um, like, with uh, Joe, Joe Cocker. Yeah, it was like, Davy, Davy Crockett. And it's like... That could have, like, you know that, like, he's kind of, like, shot himself in the foot with that one because he's like, I had a kid in a baby <laughs> hat in the next one. Because you, know? you imagine, like, yeah. I just have this, like, thing of um, Wes Anderson kind of, like, pulling his vinyl collection yeah. out there and, like, dust, dusting them off, going, like, oh, what, what pink song <laughs> am I going to use in this film? Or, like, what um what french like well yeah because the, the french that, song that they're dancing to like that's that's very cool isn't it that's that's very yeah, cool tune that kind of um so yeah the way this kind of uh film wraps up and one, one thing i want to mention as well i just find like the imagery really funny is um when uh these like scout leader so harvey Keitel's character is on uh scout master yeah 
Wes Anderson like was like, oh, do you reckon you could run to the <laughs> hotel on your back to Ed Norton? He's like, no. <laughs> no. Like, like, that's a mad idea. <laughs> what if you drop so, him? What if you're the person who drops Harvey <laughs> Keitel? Like, that would be awful. Well, Wes Anderson took it upon himself to create a Harvey Keitel backpack <laughs> that he would wear. Like Yoda. So, like, it, yeah, so in those shots, when, obviously when you can't yeah. see his face, so like when he's static, it is Harvey <laughs> Keitel. But in the moments when he's kind of like, and like when you watch it again, keep that in mind. Yeah, I like will. He's listening to, keep that in mind because there's just like this, I, I just think it's really that's like, amazing seeing like the wire work of Ed Norton yeah well, yeah when, when he's he jumping over the, the over the flooding yeah, river just, yeah again that comes from that imagery definitely comes from like animation. yeah yeah of it's course like, there yeah. are moments in this that are just beautifully like and it's like a Wes Anderson I think was going in that direction but I think like it's nice to see like the kind of the snake eating yeah. its own tail of like his his style like his style beforehand was like animation like it's going towards animation does an animated film and then it's like well what can we take yeah yeah and knitting them both together yeah exactly and i think yeah yeah, he was definitely influenced by that that kind of style of filmmaking and he's definitely brought it in um but yeah the, the kind of i'm so glad that this film has a happy ending i'm so glad that this film's ending is so happy and sweet and um yeah the 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 ending to this, like the, the so the the scene, the scene that the uh, in the like uh, church at the end, and the rest of stuff on the roof. It's be- it's perilous. I don't, I don't know what it is, but like when they're kind of like trying to figure out what is going on, like what is going to happen with yeah, Sam it's frantic, when, isn't it? When Captain Sharp is like talking about adopting him and you kind of like the the bishop parents finally come together where they're, they're both like lawyers yeah 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 and they're, and they're giving him they're, legal yeah, advice they're... yeah yeah exactly yeah it's just it's such a lovely thing is and then you know even though the bishops you know they're angry at sam because he's kind of <laughs> he, one of your beige lunatics has kidnapped my daughter um <laughs> You know, they can still see that he doesn't deserve to go to, you know, to go live in an orphanage. He doesn't deserve to go get electroshock therapy. Like, he's just a kid, you know. So it's kind of all is forgiven. They're just desperately trying to keep him away from social services. Um, So, yeah, they're they're kind of, they're saying, you know, do you want to be adopted? And he's kind of like, yeah. And and, and as soon as that happens, it's just like everybody stand down. Everything is fine because they're literally just inches away from jumping off a roof into a into a like flooded graveyard, and you're just like, no, 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 please don't get hurt. And it kind of it does, <laughs> it kind of yeah, it goes back to being dangerous. Um, but then as soon as that happens, lightning strikes the church and they fall off, and they're all just hanging by like, like a rope, aren't they? <laughs> like you got, you yeah, got... that beautiful kind of silhouette. Yeah, shot look just. Kind of reminds me of like the opening to something like Peter. Pan it is a bit, yeah, paintings, yeah. Like the silhouette of like London, because it's, it's kind on of on a like, turret, yeah, isn't all, it? Like on it, yeah, all all black, and then you've got like the blue sky. It just looked like the dark blue. It just looks. It's gorgeous. Like that that moment. I don't know what it is. It's just kind of like the overwhelming of like emotions in that moment of like all the characters. I just found myself like. I was like, I'm getting emotional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, why am I, why am I crying? Oh, because it's lovely. Because it's overwhelmingly (laughs) lovely. You know, like Sam is, Sam and Susie are even more, you know, in love because they're, they're, 
they're basically essentially planning on jumping off a roof together because they don't want to be separated, which is like, and, and, you know, when you're 12 years old and somebody's just like, this is the end, like, this is the end of the line when yeah. you're 12 years old, like that's world ending, isn't it? And you can't be with the person you love and you hate everything and you, and you, you don't know how to get a way out. And it's just like, yeah, you don't want these kids to be hurt. And then to see this overwhelming concern and love for them by this little community that's kind of written him off. Do you know what I mean? That's that's all coming together to to give Sam a home because um, it's lovely. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah. to have Sam have a place, you know, and yeah, he doesn't he doesn't um, want to be a khaki skirt anymore. But the next time we see him, he's got like a little police outfit on. He's got like a little police uniform. That that just kills me. Oh, yeah. Just kills yeah, me. Just the end of this as well and like when you when when it, you get that reveal that the paint because you obviously think he's doing like a painting of, of Susie. Uh, Susie well he mainly Susie he mainly does landscapes and nudes which cracks me <laughs> off as well because it's like did she sit for these like and obviously she didn't he's been nowhere near her and like the nudes that he's painted it's like a girl it's quite an arty shot of a girl standing not standing in a bath but kind of climbing out of a bath so it's like yeah there's yeah, like it's like, not yeah, sexual like a, like a yeah it's, it's like it's not a sexual <laughs> thing it's actually quite artistic like it's the composition's lovely do you know what i mean so yeah like character like proper yeah yeah, yeah exactly it's like an a, art lesson a girl on a swing yeah as well, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so it's like it's it's how you would study painting rather than just you know mm -hmm. a stick figure with tits like as most kids would draw <laughs> um <laughs> has she sat for these no um but yeah, he's, he's painting their little Moonrise Kingdom because, yeah, we don't actually get the name because Susie's lying there on, on the beach, isn't she, on the blanket? And she's yeah. got her head on her hand in a very arty pose whilst he paints her, sitting, sitting with the cat, with the kitten. Um, and she says, I don't like the name of this place. I, it doesn't suit it. I want to change it. And like, you know, he says, what should we call it? And she says, I don't know. Let me think about it. And we never hear it. Um, until right at the end when we can see he's painted it and they've kind of, you know, they, they, it's their little Moonrise Kingdom. So, so obviously, like, yeah, so the title of that place is Mile 3.25 Tidal Inlet. <laughs> and we get that thing from Bob Balaban where he says, like, that was destroyed in the flood. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not like, there anymore. Th that says, like, something... I think that just that line says something about this. You can never you know, go back. Kind of like, yeah, that kind of like destruction of like not youth as such, but like something has happened. Something's changed. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it is one of those films where it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like you'd get like the Sandlot kids or something like that, where it's like that one summer as a kid that like changed your life. <laughs> Like yeah like, well it, like it, what, what Bob Balaban says as well his character he was saying you know it, yes that little cove did get flooded um and it's not there anymore but <laughs> he was like and you know most of the island was destroyed like in the in the storm because you see like the bumper cars on the beach where they've been blown off the, mm -hmm. the the pier um but he says the crops that year were extraordinary the crops the year after were extraordinary so like yeah. out of all this destruction something beautiful grew and i think that's that's like a lovely symbolism isn't it that's kind of you know because now sam and um susie can hang out together and they can mm -hmm. they can see each other because yeah you know the last thing he says to her is see you tomorrow and she blows him a kiss and it's just it's lovely it's absolutely gorgeous yeah, again, again i'd like that, that kind of I think the reason this film, especially that end bit, gets to me is, and I think it's a thing that's throughout 
a lot of Wes Anderson films, there's it's very much this through line. Like I, I mentioned, I flippantly remarked on the thing that like there's a, like the dad mm. issues in Wes Anderson films, but I think there's very much this thing of like people looking for family, and it's people who kind of like feel like they've been like done a disservice by mm-hmm. the world, whether rightfully or not rightfully, like so. But a lot of the time, it's like that thing, and like Sam, and like. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, but like, my dad like left when I was very young, and it's that thing like, I, I kind of understand that thing of like, not obviously like my mum has been there the yeah. whole time, but like in that like father son like that yeah, especially that paternal relationship, I very much relate to that whole thing of like looking yeah. for paternal figures, and it's like that thing of like. And it's, I don't know, there's so much going on. Yeah. So I was like, I was like oh, I'm at like, I, I think of like my own son when he's like Sam's age. And yeah. It's like, will I, will I be Mr. Bishop? Nah. Like, you know I mean? like, who, who, <laughs> of course you who, who won't. Like Scoutmaster Ward just got bag on again. <laughs> yeah. Giving him a motorbike. I mean, you know, there's, there's something to be said for that too, I think. You know, a healthy amount of disregard for health and safety is quite important when you're growing up. Um, no, like, you know, how to talk about your emotions and, you know, you're a compassionate human mm-hmm. being. You're definitely not going to be that kind of dad. Um, no, I'm, I'm very much the same. Like my, my parents divorced when I was very young, when I was four. Um, and I, I never met my dad until I was 22. Um, and yeah, that was, so when I was young, again, it was that kind of like these, cause it's a very popular theme in films, especially over the past, like I'd say over the past 20 years, um, but family is what you make of it. You know, family is where you find it. Um, and yeah, it's become a very popular theme. And I think it was just starting to come out like, yeah, in the 90s, this was be- kind of becoming a theme. Um, yeah. And uh, and yeah, I, I felt that quite keenly as well. Like that kind of idea that you are searching for your place in the world and you kind of, you know, you know who your family is, but, you know, you don't know who you are quite yet. And it's just, you know, they're very strong feelings, especially when you're, you're a kid. Like you, you don't always know where you belong or who you are yet. And, you, you know, so many of us go through those kind of tween years just desperately trying to establish ourselves and kind of go like, this is who I am. I'm an individual. I might look mm-hmm. like everybody else, but, you know, I, I might dress like this. <laughs> Because like I went through like all the phases. I was a goth and I was a skater and I was a punk and I was a hippie and you know I you know I I basically looked like a jumble sale had exploded in a skate shop. That's what <laughs> I looked like. Um, but I was trying to find my tribe. You know, I was trying to find my. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that anymore. I don't know if that's offensive anymore. I was trying to find my people, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, it just I think that that's such a strong feeling. And and when you do find out that actually, grown ups are people too. And that they do understand and they do care. Like that's that's a huge thing, isn't it? When you realise that you can have yeah. grown ups on your side and they do want the best for you. Like that's massive. Well, I think this film very much like shows you that even the grown ups don't know what the fuck. Oh yeah, that's on. the biggest secret. That's the biggest secret for grown ups because yeah. like they they tell you that they know what's best for you. They tell you that they that they know what's going on and actually they're just winging it. Like <laughs> they're just yeah. yeah. That that is like the kind of. That is, I think, I think, like one of the biggest. Apart from the fact that this is just like it's fun, it's kind of like it's an exciting film. It's like it's got it's got a nice message. You don't have it. It doesn't ram no. it down your throat in any way, but you can you can very much take away a message from this film. Um, so earlier we spoke about 
the Coppola Winery, which brings me, well, it doesn't bring me <laughs> on neatly because it's, it's a massive It's a leap. It's a, it's a leap. It's a yeah. it's, Leap it's, of it's, faith. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a real reach. If we were playing of, Assassin's and, Creed, there would be an eagle <laughs> noise right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, what would be, yeah, the arbitrary scoring system on this show is what would be a perfect wine pairing for this film? Well, I'm teetotal. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm not the best judge. I haven't drunk wine in a very long time. Um, but I do think that because it's a Wes Anderson film, it would definitely have to be something that's very golden in colour. Like, I think you would have mm-hmm. to go with something quite um, not too sweet. I think it would have to have, like, a hint of sharpness in there. Like a summery white like not not quite mm-hmm. a sauvignon i think that's too light i think you need something like a digestif like almost something like a maybe even a limoncello that would be amazing if you could i know i know nice. you can't yeah. get limoncello on the on the coppola winery but yeah it just i feel like that that would no, be a good no, no. pairing well, like a limoncello like yeah my 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 choice like subverts the whole thing of wine well it is wine it's just cheap red wine and coca cola because I think that this this it's it's like a I've never heard of that before. Kind of, so it's like a thing that a lot of people I know in like South Africa. Oh wow! Um, like teenage kids, it's like an entry ah, level boo- booze nice. drink for like when you're kind nice. of when you're young because it's like parents got red wine and it's like red wines. It's an acquired Ooh, taste, reasoning? isn't it? Kids don't instantly like the taste of red wine. So if you can sweeten it up yeah. with Coca Cola, I can yeah, I can see how that will work. So that my my reasoning for that is like like this film like it's kind of got you've got that sweetness from the story of Sam and Susie, but then there very much is them kind of like deeper richer themes like under yeah that would be very much like the red wine and I'm not saying it has to be not like, even expensive yeah, red wine like, <laughs> expensive red wine because because this is kids that's, the yeah they're that's the kind of, of drink that you would kind of you'd steal the red wine from your your mum and dad's uh cabinet wouldn't you and then you'd go from their yeah, box yeah. do you know what I mean you'd put it into a water yep. bottle from that from make their, it a really manky color yeah for the for the for the for the, uh, <laughs> for the goon sacks for the Australian get your crazy lizards. straw yeah, so yeah exactly exactly and then and yeah, then pretend and to then be grown up Coca-Cola. yeah and um so aka is this film good or bad how much would you pay for that bottle of wine oh so i mean it's definitely top of the list wine isn't it it's definitely wine from the top of the list you're turning over the page yeah the restaurant. you're if... not just you're not looking <laughs> in that first sex for house yeah, exactly gonna... like I want the stuff with dust exactly. on it. Exactly, not quite dust. I mean, nobody's that rich, do you know what I mean? But, like, definitely something that's been on the shelf a long time, you know, definitely something that's been kept in the dark and cared for. Like, maybe a 10-year bottle, Perfect. not quite, do you know what I mean? Like, a good, a good, nice vintage. That's a solid yeah, a solid one. Um, so, would you recommend people watch if they have oh already, definitely without you... a doubt like i think i think that this is this film is funny and sweet and warm and um and very accessible as well i don't think you have to be a wes anderson fan to watch it and you don't you don't uh you know you don't really have to know about wes anderson either um i 
you know and I, I would definitely recommend him as a director as we were saying before like sometimes there are problems with it like there's no people of color <laughs> there's an egregious use of you know Native American headdresses um, but yeah like he is a very good director and a very good storyteller and you know I think that this is a good entry point um, for, for his films um, but yeah of course I'd, of course I'd recommend it I think everyone should watch it I love it Perfect. Well, that's mine and Jeanette's chat wrapped up on Moonrise Kingdom. Now, just, yeah, a, a couple more, a, a few more questions just to kind of like really find out are the Coppolas the greatest family of all time? But before we do that, could, did you find any like weird Coppola connections with this film, bar the obvious two? Um, what, the, the Roman and, and Jason? Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, did I find any weird Coppola connections? Um, no, no, I didn't. And I just, I feel like, because I mean, Wes Anderson is the honorary Coppola, right? He is, he is essentially. Yeah, he's pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, he goes to those Christmas dinners that we were talking about earlier. Like, Wes is like, Wes is definitely invited to family functions. <laughs> he comes to weddings and big parties and, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff. Um. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, I I just find that was the that was the funnest one where you're just like oh, so like you run with the pack, do you? Like you you run with yeah. the Coppolas, um, which is pretty so, that's pretty big deal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Throughout this podcast, obviously, I will be talking about so many uh, people that had involvement in this film, whether it's uh, Robert Yeoman, who is the DOP, who also DOP'd. Roman Coppola's film QC and um, just one like kind of connection that links back to Nicolas Cage is Bob Balaban is in the terrible <laughs> race relations comedy Amos and Andrew which I would avoid <laughs> with a, t- t- a 10 foot pole it may be inclusive of people of colour but it doesn't do anything for oh, the no. is, for sure that it's, sounds uh, terrible. It's, it's heggy. <laughs> um, so, wh- like, which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, Jeanette, you have to get rid of the filmography <gasps> of every other family. Well, that's not fair. Like, that's, that seems like... That's, <laughs> that's a huge oh. question. <laughs> They've made so many films. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't just, like... Oh man! You gotta pick one. I've got to pick, pick one Coppola to keep. One to keep. The rest, are, the rest. Well, it's are big. Got to be Big Daddy Mac Francis, hasn't it? You keep in Francis, even though you hate The Godfather. <sighs> I mean, you've got to think about all the other films that he's made and kind of the impact that that's had on cinema as a whole. You know, you kind of it's it's without him, like you know, you wouldn't have. Um, you know, other directors that have been influenced by him. You wouldn't have people aping his mm-hmm. style. You wouldn't have. I think. I think he's had such a massive influence on cinema that. Y- There's an argument you have no Star Wars without Frank. Hell yeah! Popper because his involvement with uh, George yeah. Lucas, and even like so, George Lucas won a competition essentially to go on set at Warner Brothers. Met Francis Ford Coppola who went. Who's this weird skinny little kid <laughs> with, with the glasses? strange Kermit with the frog voice? And then and then got him like basically like pushed him into like making THX 
Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. American Graffiti. Exactly. And, and then you've like... got Ron Howard who goes on from American Graffiti. Like yeah. it's it's <laughs> the the connections are endless. And when you've got a dynasty that big, you know, it is like if you don't have that linchpin at the beginning, like the knock-on effect, you know, it it's massive. Yeah. So like, yeah, while I'm not a big fan of The Godfather, um I think it would be unfair of me to to get rid of him. And plus like um Oh, Dracula, like Bram Stoker's Dracula is 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 one of my favorite vampire films of all time. And, and you know, it made Amazing. me fall in love with um, Gary Oldman. Um, a little 13 year old Jeanette was completely besotted <laughs> um, and just watched that film, you know, on repeat for quite some time. Um, you know, and, and my film tastes wouldn't have been so influenced without that film as well i think that kind of did Amazing. did imprint me on quite a young age so yeah i think it would be i think it would be uh yeah silly of me to to get rid of the big daddy mac the big og perfect well, thank, thank you for being so like unselfish and doing this service to the wider <laughs> film community well to the world as opposed to, just to going the like, world yeah as opposed to going i you know what I really like this. This bit. one film. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think you have to think about it in the wider in the wider thing. Yeah, totally. Amazing. So yeah, I uh, I love I love hearing all of these answers and interpretations <laughs> to these questions. Where week in week out, I'm kind of like it's got me thinking a lot of the time as well. Like, and I, I feel like a real <laughs> arsehole. I'm asking this question week in week out. It like, is a big question. I, That's I'm, a big question. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm not going to answer it either, guys. No, no, <laughs> Are you no. not? Are you not going to tell um, anybody what you think? You're going to do it on the last one? Maybe, yeah. On my deathbed. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have I like, a, keep a, a Wes Anderson-style written note. <sighs> I'm going to have, I'm gonna have like this, yeah, like a, a really like, I don't know, yeah, Wes Anderson like, embossed envelope <laughs> note that has to be read. Do you know what I mean? Some... Some weird instructions like back to the future. Don't open this Generally, box like, until yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um uh are the Coppolas the greatest film family of all time? Again, that's a very big question. Um <laughs> I think they're definitely one of the most successful film families of all time for sure and i don't know whether or not that makes them the greatest or not but i definitely think that again like their impact has been enormous on filmmaking in america mm -hmm. and uh you know and and i'm sure in the wider world as well i think you know coppola is one of those directors that is studied um in film school um you know and yeah many of their films are kind of held up as kind of you know things to be um to, to learn lessons of filmmaking from. So, yeah, I would say that, you know, oh, I've completely lost my point. Yeah, so I don't, <laughs> sorry, I, my brain short-circuited. No, 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 no. uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're, if, they're the, if they're the greatest, but they're definitely the most successful. And I think that goes uh, quite a long way to securing greatness, doesn't it? If you're, if you're good at what you do and you keep doing it and you keep making amazing art, I think that that does, uh, yeah, that, that does secure your dynasty for sure. On a who are your personal favourite film family? Then are you are you are you a Baldwin fan? Are you an Arquette fan? <laughs> are you uh, a Houston fan? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Arquettes are pretty cool, aren't they? Like the Baldwins. Like, let's face it. There's only one good one. Let's face it. Like, there's only Alec. Potato. No, Baldwin, there's Weasel. Yeah. 
um, on our podcast. Yeah, there's Potato Baldwin, Weasel Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah, there's only one. There's only one good one. There's only Alec, really. The Baldwins are kind of like they've yes. they've kind of shot themselves in the foot, really, by all being assholes, apart from that one guy um, who's hilarious. Like I love Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah, it is hard, actually. It is hard to kind of look at an acting family like that and kind of... Um, I think I think the Gillen, the Gillenhalls are, are definitely one of my favourites. Oh, uh, yeah. Both of them, yeah, yeah both of them are amazing actors. Um, they both do amazing work, and they both do really interesting work as well. And uh, you know, their dad was a director, their mum's a writer. Um, they're a really fascinating little family when it comes to um, you know creating as creatives. Sorry, um, but yeah, the Gillenhalls are definitely like up there for me. I think they're pretty cool. Perfect. My my next my next podcast <gasps> uh all, all of gyllenhaal that yeah, would be amazing that, 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 that would be great <laughs> he's got such an interesting filmography like that would be really cool actually i've just um i've just listened to his interview with mark Marin on the wtf podcast it's very yeah, good too. very very good yes. yeah so uh possibly the hardest oh no of the entire bunch <laughs> is what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? It's a, that's kind of, oh man, you could debate that to the end of time, couldn't you? <laughs> could basically be like, I farted in your suitcase. It could be anything. Like, I, I think, I think it's, I definitely. I'm taking that as your answer. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that was a debate. It wasn't the answer. No, I think he says something sweet. I think he says something sweet, like, you know, um, I think you're beautiful or I think you're wonderful or, you know, I, I just, I, I think it's something very sweet and very kind. Um, or, you know, maybe something like your boyfriend doesn't know what he's got. You know, I think, I think it's mm -hmm. something just to make her feel good, to make her feel happy yes. and to make her feel, um, yeah, make her feel less alone. I think that's definitely, you know, to let her know that she's got a friend. Well, that's a, a yeah, a lovely, beautiful answer. <laughs> and, a perfect place to to end the podcast uh before i let you go though where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing uh in regards to sudden double deep and yeah like if people aren't listening to it i'm gonna i'm gonna jump in here and say listen <laughs> to sudden double deep guys because it's, it's, it's a fantastic podcast not only because they were gracious enough to let me uh take up some of their time to talk about some Nicholas Cage. Oh, films. mate, let but you. Just, You're coming back <laughs> as soon as we can. <laughs> Amazing. Well, um, yeah, where can people uh, keep up to date? Where can they find yeah. online? Um, so, yeah, I am a, a co-host on the Sudden Double Deep podcast. So we are the triple word title podcast. So we um, each week we listen to, we review uh, three films linked by a word in the title. Um, so, yeah, what have we um what have we just done see i don't know when this is coming out so i don't know if i'm going to spoil anything um but yeah for our first episode we did um sudden impact deep impact double impact uh so yeah we we talk we talk about these films we talk about if we you know there's any links between them we talk about if we like them if we didn't like them we we waffle quite a lot um but yeah mm -hmm. usually we we try and uh spread it out between different decades and different genres um and yeah we try and get as much world cinema in there as we can um and uh, and yeah, you can find us at Sudden Double Deep um, 
no, SDD Film Podcast. I'm so sorry. I've only been doing this for five years. <laughs> um, you can find at uh, find us on Twitter at SDD um, Film Podcast, which is, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Let me just check because my husband will murder me if I get the wrong tag on Instagram uh, or or on no Twitter. Worries, but I will be... <laughs> I will, I will buy, uh, I will surely be, uh, I will at, definitely be putting at the links. The, the yeah. Links so at SDD film podcast. So um, behind that, you will find my husband, Daryl lurking. Um, so yeah, he's <laughs> the one when you're talking to SDD film podcast, you're talking to him. You can find me on Twitter at Miss J soundtrack. Uh, and you can find my other amazing co-host, Matt brothers. You can find him at Matt brothers too. Um, at, yeah. As as you guys would say, here's a little sizzle <gasps> for you. Sizzle. Matt. Both Matt and Daryl will be coming to talk a couple of couple they of will. with me in the near future. I think uh, Matt is one of the. Oh, I'm giving you a real, real, real little sizzle <gasps> here, guys. But he's the one of the first confirmed dub like double. Oh, nice. Uh, on on couple of connections. Uh, you will hear what films he will be talking about in due time. Very exciting. Well. Sorry, it's at Matt Brothers too. <laughs> Sorry, I just call him Bruvs. At my Matt, at Matt Brothers too <laughs> on Twitter as well, so you can find him on there. Well, Jeanette, thank you so much for coming and making some couple of connections with me. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to my waffle. It's been an absolute joy talking about this film. I love it so much. So thank you for inviting me to come on and talk about it. A massive thank you once again to Jeanette for joining me on this episode and thank you very much for listening. If you feel that me and Jeanette missed anything, if there's any stone that we left unturned, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can do so via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Letterboxd, all at CagedInPod. Or you can always drop me an email, which is CagedInPod at gmail.com. Before we discuss what's coming up on next week's episode of the podcast, later on today at midday, you'll be able to hear my conversation with Sam Shikuski himself. That's right, the actor, Jared Gilman, talking about what it was like to work with Wes Anderson, this bevy of an amazing talent that is the cast, and of course, what it was like to work with not one, but two Coppola family members. As for next week's episode, I'll be joined by Freudian cinephile, lecturer and podcast host Mary Wilde to talk about Sophia Coppola's fourth directorial effort, Somewhere. If you aren't already, be sure to check out the Breadcrumbs Collective for a bevy of other great podcasts, including the Podchild Cinecast, a Drip Town Lemony Main, and soon-to-be new podcast franchise, as well as the anti-podcast breadcrumbs itself which you can easily find at breadcrumbscollective.com if you enjoyed this episode please do be sure to rate review subscribe on acast apple podcast or whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on right now this is all very much a labor of love and all that stuff really does help i'd love to hear which is your favorite couple of film who's your favorite couple of family member or what do you think that bill murray says Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation. 
As ever, I've been Petrus Patsilovus, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. So make sure you keep it Coppola, and I'll catch you next time. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.